Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And just me and you this week, JP. We've just mm-hmm. been in the uh, in the pre-show. I've been putting you in a great wow. mood by uh, <laughs> playing playing a fun game of uh, guess which t-shirt is a uh, breather narrative t-shirt and which is a which is a MAGA t-shirt. Uh, Control your narrative. Harder game to play than you think. Control your narrative. Yeah, free your narrative is like one of the shows. I think that uh, that EC3 does. Uh, he's got. He's a great. You know, he's a great businessman. Maybe he's putting this. Uh, Fantastic brand out into the world, and yeah, some uh, some fantastic items, fantastic items of clothing that you can uh, buy yourself for the, the small sum of uh, of twenty dollars in your soul. It's mad all how all of these in, in in air quotes interesting ideas seem to result in none of them to do with t shirt design because that is some of the most abysmal fucking merchandise I've ever seen. It's literally letters on a t shirt for shame. <laughs> Control your narrative. I'd concentrate on the visuals before you get to the storytelling, Lark, because there's a lot of fucking work there. Um, <laughs> absolute fucking head cases. But yeah, what what a fun game that was, looking at some of them. And uh, still to this day, if you could find, and you need to just Google Bobby Roode Selfish Generation for what can only be described, Benno, as I don't know how you found it, the worst T-shirt design, hands down, on there. <laughs> I heard you like fonts. So put some fonts with your fonts so you can font while you're fonting. That's what that t-shirt is. It's gone so far beyond Comic Sans, like into just something else entirely, even worse than that. Yeah, that's some of the worst t-shirt designs I've I've ever seen. Did we convince you at all to uh, to go and spend $5 to uh, apparently get in the... I don't know what they called it, the hot box or something like that at their live show where Rant got, Room? The rant room, that's it. You got five minutes in the rant room with the wrestler you hate most in the world, which I presume will be on this roster, to be honest. So it's actually quite a good deal. And they're not allowed to talk back. So you know, like I say, you can get Austin Aries in a room, call yeah. you know, <laughs> call him a little person for uh, for five minutes, get your money's worth, you know, get Braun Strowman in, tell him that Vince never loved him. What? You could uh, you could do what you want, mate. What would you what would you what would your rant of choice be? Not even the control. I, no, you know what? Not even the control. Your narrative roster. Who would you get in the rant room? Who would, who would be your choice, JP, to uh, to give it both barrels for five minutes? Invader two for killing <laughs> Bruiser Brody. <laughs> Just like a, a brutal interrogation of him. <laughs> Cunt. I'm not even the biggest Bruiser Brody fan, even though I seem to own loan loads of his merchandise. Um, rest having it. Triple H. That'd be a good like. One. I mean, if you go in, he would be the one. And slagging off the Undertaker as well, <laughs> just him in general. He's Tell me ultimately toxic influence. I oh, know you're really good. Those matches you had with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in their prime. I'm sure you were lifting up like you were more than fifty percent in this match, big man. Now go and play some dominoes with those other cunts. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I feel bad because I want to, like, someone should defend Undertaker because people people are, like... I know. Be, people feel strongly about him. I, but I don't. I just don't like him. And, like, yes, he's a Hall of Famer by WWE standards, obviously, like, considering... Like, yeah. his, his, I don't know who it was that said it, though, but, like, I saw somebody say, like, over... 
you would think over like his 30 year career he'd average more than one good match a year you know <laughs> so, not to get into regal territory again I'm just saying you know there are there are a lot of very good Undertaker matches in there some of them are highly overrated the uh, the Wrestlemania stuff uh, you know in the latter years especially anything that involved oh, yeah. Triple H and for me anything that involved Shawn Michaels too but I know that's sacrilege I know people are particularly high on those matches but you know I do feel like yeah, you know, over 30 years there might be, there'd be a couple more in there I think so. I mean, I get, look, he's the most successful gimmick of all time. All of those kind of, are, I didn't expect a conversation about The Undertaker, but here we are. Um, <laughs> and him being in the hall, it's an absolute no-brainer, really, isn't it? I mean, itching for the moment to get it in Texas is the thing that ultimately makes the most sense. But, like, so many of his matches are fucking awful, other than, like, there's a few. There's a point, like, I mean, in the Attitude Era, I kind of liked him because he wasn't the main man. He kind of like willingly yeah. went into the one B role, one C role when it when Hart was there, and it was Hart, Austin, and and him, and you're like, oh, okay, that's all like pretty much big dogs then at that point, like all of those things. I, I didn't mind him there. I'm one of the people I preferred Biker Taker because you know I like my humans human ultimately, and I'm not a fucking child, and like I can remember all that supernatural stuff and just thinking no. No, 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 no. Can we stay away from this? Unless you're going full blown hustle, I don't want to fucking know. So <laughs> never go full like, blown hustle. <laughs> no, don't go full blown. Well, yo, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was um, bloody um, Akibono coming out of being born out of an egg, and that's shite. Yeah, um, and then randomly yeah, Scott Hall uh, and Kevin Asher on the show, like, and it just be like a I'll, weird collection of people. I'll never like him. Hmm. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you like or dislike them as as kind of people as well. But it's like when you hear about the way they control that locker room and all the stuff, and you just think, oh, there's a lot of stuff and that's still reminiscent today. Where like there's still an F, like there's still people who look down at the younger guys, and it's like, well, yeah, because all the older lads are broken down and retired. So these are not not the younger guys, the the guys. So you're gonna have to go with them, aren't you? At some point, and yet there's that toxic mindset of like in my day it was better three-minute Mean Mark Callas matches and WCW Worldwide. And everyone falling over heart, heart attacks, that too. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the golden generation, is it? Yeah, it's like, with Undertaker, like, I, you know, he bored the pants off me when I was a kid. Like, I just couldn't stand them. Like, uh, I think I think I was scarred by owning Undertaker's gravest matches, the uh, the VHS. Like, mum must have bought it for me the Christmas one year, and it's literally seven of the most plodding, you know, he's full on zombie mode. <laughs> Just wandering around the ring, like oh. having job matches on house shows, <laughs> like, and it just scarred me for life. And I think from that day, I was never an Undertaker guy. I definitely had like um, there was a moment in '97 when he did start moving a bit quicker, and he had like the Mankind mm-hmm. series where I, you know he did become a little bit more human. I did like him, and I think I liked. I'm with you, American Badass Undertaker. I definitely liked until he went like the big evil like heel route, and that wasn't particularly interesting to me. But yeah, yeah. Since then, it's just one Maven moment aside. Yeah, which was genuinely yeah. good, and that felt like that's the thing as well about time. That felt like a career. Felt like he was done. Like he was ready to retire in two thousand, and then we got twenty more years of the fucker like, doing nostalgia runs. And I know we had some like stronger runs on like SmackDown, the like where you know Teddy Long would wheel him out every week as the uh, you know the, as the big bad, or yeah, you know we had the stuff with Batista and like more more lengthy feuds and mm. stuff, but. You know, once he became that once a year WrestleMania nostalgia act, it's just I uh, just rolled my eyes. It was uh, it was never for me. No, no, it isn't. It's you know when I'm thinking of the people I liked around that era, it wasn't him. However, 
within Raw at that point in time? Because you mentioned about the kind of the the more realistic versions of him, which was just the the way that the Attitude Era had gone. Well, like, it wasn't all like that. We're not that, you know, we're still in the era of choppy, choppy pee aren't we? So we're not like, it's not like it's gone like kind of relatively straight-laced and highbrow or something. <laughs> um, it, it, it was, it, he's just never someone, I mean, I don't know, like, I mean, he's always kind of like been there necessarily and i suppose it's it's odd that they're going to have i mean he's going to be obviously at this main year as well he'll come out and choke slam some young guy in order to teach him a lesson whatever that bizarro world lesson is which is you don't get what you want i get what i want um yeah he's 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 just not someone i've kind of like warmed to and he feels that he is basically one of those sacred cows in wrestling where turning to the casual wrestling it's like, oh the undertaker's great and it's like if you had to watch all of these matches because I really have, and the, like few and far, but a lot of them are kind of nondescript. I and mean, even his mania matches for the longest time were like the worst stuff on the show by quite a distance. Uh, I was going to say, like speaking speaking of that, you bringing back uh, old names and stuff. You're not excited for uh, for Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee? I mean, oh, dear. oh man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a, like that. It that's typical. Like I was reading the you know that CM Punk article that got published today, where it's mm-hmm. like talking about like his return to wrestling and the writer of that literally says, you know, yeah, WWE is you know they've lost like the you know a lot of fans and a lot of it is you know the stale writing and bringing back like a lot of old stars and relying on older people like Undertaker and Goldberg. And I was like, oh, I wish they just waited a few hours to publish this thing because like <laughs> you want to talk bringing back like old old veterans to uh, to do matches or these young guys not being star enough to uh, to fill these stadiums in uh, at the stadium in Texas you know bring back Steve Austin but don't stop at that bring back Vince McMahon like and put him in the ring with Mate. Pat McAfee like if that's really happening that is like that shows you there is nobody in like Vince McMahon's inner circle who is willing to just go, Vince, no. Mate, you're going to no. kill yourself. No, this is a terrible idea. Like, he has been left <laughs> to his own insane whims to a level we didn't realise, if nobody can talk him down from that. Like, where's Stephanie in the room? Where's, like, even Triple H? Well, I know where he is. He's outside. They've, uh, they've got him washing dishes where's now. The- but, like, <laughs> why is no one telling him this is a bad idea, mate? <laughs> where is the Texas Athletic Commission in all <laughs> yeah. of this as well? He kicked off enough about what's going on. It's like when he wants to do MMA and he wants to fight, I don't know, Alistair Overeem, because I mm. watched him knock the shit out of Vegeta to cheer myself a bit up earlier on. <laughs> like, you can't have it just because he wants it. I mean, there's still that element of risk and danger. I mean, it's absolutely desperate. Mm. I mean, it was one of the things I think um, on WrestleNomics they were saying so far, ticket sales, and, you know, we're talking a month out, like 52,000 both nights, something around that range there. So, you know, we haven't announced Austin, whether or not Austin's holding out or he's not sure or he's thinking, am I walking into a kind of shit box of a company where I'm going to have to come on and just be like, all my stuff has to exist in a silo. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you do think to yourself, does he want that element of it post like this one match? Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Carl asked the question in the chat. Is this just, was it going to be Shane Pat McAfee? Which in its own weird way could be quite fun and a bit of a spectacle. Now, I hate myself for saying that. I'm not proud of myself for like thinking like, oh, that would be a lot of fun. Whereas with Vince, it's just going to be the element of 
he's really going to hurt him here. Mm. On the other, on the other hand, McMahon's a prick. So you, and he's put himself entirely in this situation. So you kind of get what you deserve, really. Um, I, I did what see reads, um, Shane desperation. Shane desperately got a desperation. Shane today desperately, like he, t- he was in MSG or something like that. He was tweeting a photo of like Hogan on the wall, being like, "One more match, brother." Like that's not happening unless Hogan goes out and starts his own company again, like he did when he uh, got the great white Paul White in. Um, I think your days of uh, having your, your dad slap you down there and told you it's not happening. Um, no, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's. I imagine bells and whistles, but like even then, it takes one bump. It's fucking like people yeah. are people are out there concerned trolling about how like oh you know I don't think Johnny Knoxville should be should be taking hits from Sami Zayn quite like that when he's had concussions it's like who the star of Jackass like I'm sure he'll be fine mate now ninety year old walking zombie you know Crichton spearhead mm. looking Vince McMahon like in 2022 maybe yeah maybe somebody should be having words that should be uh, concerned uh, but yeah I don't think I'd hate it you know I wouldn't mind seeing him getting beat up in a wrestling ring I think there's uh, there's possibly value with that I don't know if from a sheer business perspective I mean I think what it does is. I mean, it's going to be funny. You're going to be comparing Mania because obviously we've got an AEW pay per view coming up um, uh, this weekend. And you compare the way that they're preparing their lineups compared to this, where it's like a month out. And they really are just throwing shit up against the wall. Mm. Um, and it's not even like they're putting him in there with some ultra safe worker. I mean, it's Pat McAfee. He's got very, very limited experience. And he's going to say, you were a punter in football. Punt me in the head. Well, that could go wrong in any number of ways, couldn't <laughs> it? Like, and, you know, I've no great love for Pat McAfee necessarily, but I don't think he should live with that on his conscience, really, should he? Um, yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, like, this is where you're getting into kind of like grotesque spectacle, really. I know there's that 70-year-old wrestler who did a match in Impact, that guy has been doing like, it's a very particular type of match that it does. And it involves him not really taking that, like no dangerous bumps or stuff like still shouldn't be doing it. You'd argue, but he's in the physical shape of it. Vince looks like someone who is falling apart. Yeah. Like on a physical basis, he doesn't look good. Like that version of him on muscle and fitness, like the version of him that came out of that Royal rumble, that's gone. Yeah. Three. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah maybe he could have um like uh what, what's he called um governor kane is he governor kane at this point mayor kane no he is get, get mayor, kane, mayor, fucking mayor kane go from one evil cunt republican to the other you know maybe he can go out there and be as uh <laughs> that's the dream match i want after seeing the twitter uh, yesterday i want to see i want to see hangman cage versus kane did you see that like that was one of the yeah. greatest like kane like all of these head the ball Republicans, we just spent the uh, the pre show talking about is uh, you know Putin. It's not Putin's fault, you know. He's a he's a strong he's a strong man, and it's all it's all these weak libs' fault. It is. It's Joe Biden's fault. And Hangman just replied with like, you think of it like, oh, it's a young wrestler being a bit cheeky. No, it's the AEW champion here getting in the replies, posting a link to UNICEF, and then throwing in a sneaky link to the ten worst chair shots that Kane ever took in his career which says everything about what his politics were I mean if he's the smartest man in the room then you know apparently according to a lot of wrestlers he was uh, oh. he always was him and Val Venus apparently JP I think they just read books 
I think that's I think that's what we've learned. Yeah, <laughs> not good, but like, like being aware of uh, something called politics doesn't necessarily make you clever. Like, like really doesn't. You know, there, there are so many, you know, people in involved in it. Who, you know, uh, and you see this with with like the, the kind of Kane stuff as well. It's it's this, you were talking about it earlier on. It's about this this idea of you kind of use social media as like you look at the war in Ukraine and it becomes, well, actually the responsibility of whatever my own personal bugbear is, that's what's responsible for all of this. Yeah. And it's it, it, what you've got, let's get very political about it at the moment in, in terms of the right wings. You've got a lot of people who have like basically backed Putin and have then basically seen what they've actually backed and it's pretty, it's indefensible. Like, and rather than show any kind of contrition, it becomes a case where it's like, well, what do we go to next? Woke, cancel culture, and just do that kind of stuff. And it's it's the usual format, and it's a very tired playbook, to be honest with you. But seeing Paige in that, who's always been outstanding, I remember, you know, bringing a guy used to be a school teacher and, and everything else. But, you know, it, it, just going in there and just like kind of wiping the floor with him. And it just sort of, yeah, just shows what a difference. But if he's the smart one, what? Was he winning at Domino's all the time with the rest of that fucking bone skull crew, whatever those pricks were called? <laughs> I think he did well at that weakest link episode. I think that's 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 kind of all it is. Like I remember Regal getting to third, wasn't it? Think and then that. the whole rule of the game was it had to be trips and Steph and the final two, wasn't it? That was the rule. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And fucking cowards. <laughs> I think Booker T went out first, but you know, it didn't, didn't always seem like the, uh, the smartest bloke, unfortunately. Um, but no. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, apparently he's got as that you reputation. like to say, they fall on their heads for a living. Like, we can't be that surprised. You can't be shocked to control your narrative, you can't be shocked at like you know, these are Kane's um, views in, the, in this year. But no, I'm glad that you know, it's that difference, isn't it? The stark difference between the two companies because, like, that's what I loved about that, that uh, that punk article that came out today. It was like painting it like you know, WWE have lost. They've lost a lot, of, a lot of audience through attrition over the years, both from being a long show and from being a boring show and being a poorly written show. But like the thing that AEW has done is they've come along and they've like it's actually an organic, young feeling product with young mm-hmm. contemporary feeling people like Hangman Page in it and like new ideas and you know you might call it you know spotty wrestling in in some regards to some of the matches that they had in the first couple of years, but you know a, a more of a a, a new mod approach to wrestling. It's like, yeah, kind of shows you the uh, the difference in approach. I think between the uh, what those two companies are at uh, at this point. Oh yeah, um, and I think it's the idea of they're just more in touch with the zeitgeist. Like they get the idea of what people are thinking and feeling and and who it is. Now WWE will always have that name recognition and cachet. I would say though, going back to the kind of mania stuff, like. How are they going to be shifting? They're not going to be shifting 50,000 tickets for real in the next month. Like, I think there's an element where they're not being as part of the zeitgeist kind of is, you know, is part of it. Like, the Knoxville stuff will be fun. That's not someone who is, you know, sort of young, contemporary. I mean, even, dare I say, someone like Logan Paul gets attention, but that still feels like a bit four years ago really isn't it you're going back to the kind of ksi fights where where that was it felt like the kind of peak for him so it's it's you know it's only bad bunny who felt like anything that represented something kind of new and modern um like kind of entering into their 
they're thinking really for the most part. But yeah, and WWE, oh, sorry, in AW, you're right. I mean, it has that kind of younger audience. It's got kind of fresher ideas. They've got lads saying fuck on telly. It's it's the Wild West, isn't <laughs> Shit it? Shit every five minutes, yeah. They always throw that Oh, up. God, yeah. They're fond of that <laughs> word. I did say that, yeah. You know, WrestleMania, that they're obviously loading it with, like, with celebrities and stuff. You've got, again, I always forget whichever Paul brother is Jake, Aaron, Steve, John. Whatever. Logan is the. You're, you're John Paul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jake. Yeah, that's me. It could be Sean Paul. Yeah, but, no. um, but when he when he's on telly, it's always alarming because like you look at the pile of shit that Dominic Mysterio looks like, like in his stupid outfit, dressed like his dad, and then he comes out like just a normal looking human being, not exactly high fashion, but like he looks like an actual person from like twenty twenty two, which is like you know on on Dynamite, that's Hook in it, like Hook Walk, like compare Hook with Dominic Mysterio. And tell me, like, yeah. which company is you know tapping into like the way people, you know, the, the way your people, you know, look and dress and act and or trying to trying to appeal to like an audience like that. I think, like, I, I say Dominic, and I'm picking on him because like he might be one of what three or four wrestlers that are actually under the age of 25 that you can even compare to Hook. Like, I say 25, that might be being generous. 30 is probably a more accurate read. Oh, I think that is being bloody generous, isn't it? I mean, you. Right, yeah, you look at, like, Hook, for example, and he was cold-hearted, what they call him? Handsome Devil. Handsome Devil. And that kind of really perfectly describes him. He is a lovely-looking fucker. <laughs> and you can't really get beyond that at the yeah. end of the day. And if that's what you're after, you know, Dragon Gate tapped into that for years, you know, why, why not uh, Why not do it yeah. in US-based... Uh... Noah are doing it at the minute. They're looking to tap into that younger demographic. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> They're not. In quite an <laughs> extreme way. <laughs> that's what they're going for people with a daddy complex but uh yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely startling the difference but no i was gonna say i mean before we move on i mean obviously you know i've, I've, I've cheered you up there jp with some uh, with some talk of the war on ukraine and some uh some talk yeah. of uh <laughs> control your narrative but you know we've uh we have been uh we're, we're quite busy this week we're uh, obviously we're garethless today but you will uh, we'll be on the uh the show uh next week uh to review uh revolution with us but we've also got mm-hmm. him on the, on the feed this week. We are in the in the midst of uh, getting ready for our next Patreon special. I'm wondering if uh, how far you've uh, you've gotten with the rewatching. We're doing after much well. conjecture and rumor and talking, and it might be a good comparison point to what we were talking about there. We're doing the we are doing Nitro month one. We're looking at the uh, mm-hmm. the first month worth of Nitros, which sounds more daunting than it is. Forty five minutes each on the network, an absolute uh, yeah. blast to get through. How far have you gotten so far? I've seen the first two. Same in first two, and been fucking breeze. Like, it really has. Like, this has not been a, a, a challenge or a struggle to watch. So we're going to be doing the first four of those. My God, there are some... Yeah, if you if you want some Dungeon of Doom, like, kind of recaps and recollections, there's, there's plenty of that going on on there. So we're doing, yes, Nit- Nitro Month 1, hopefully leading into a few other kind of Month 1s as well. So that's the next show we're going to be having out next week. Obviously, you've had um, your show with Alan Farrell. You'll tell us about it, it in a moment as well um we've still got our uh weekend show we'll be doing a big preview of aw Rev- um revolution this weekend as well as wxw 16 carat which we found out is going to be on demand which fair play that's ambitious incredibly difficult and i hope it goes really well because the people who work on that creative side deserve a lot of credit so yeah we're going to have those up in there and we've now got quite because we've been doing the patron for over a year now quite an extensive back catalogue of stuff 
Um, and if you ever wanted to send in the madness, as I did the other day, I went to like kind of a random daily update, like of about six months ago. When you put it in its totality, looking back on some of the daily updates, you realize how much weird, wacky shit comes up and happens like mm. on a, on a daily basis. Even today, um, John Hennigan, the former, um, uh, John Morrison, uh, is in blood sport because why the fuck not? That's what I say. Why not? See, incredibly ballsy. So yeah, we've got, I've got loads of stuff going on with the patron at the moment. Should also mention we've got our live show coming up, um, April 3rd, Northern Monk Brewery in Leeds. Go get the tickets from grappleapp.com forward slash support. Um, you can also get tickets for the hooked on wrestling WrestleMania, um, live show for night two please god if austin's on it be on that one um not vince pat mcafee although that might be the kind of thing where i want to watch that in a crowd if that actually you know if that's happening that might be kind of intriguing so yeah um get your tickets for those seven pound fifty podcast not even mate it's barely a fucking point these days given the way things are going and inflation of which thank vladimir putin who is the person who's ultimately responsible for the war in ukraine so yeah, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Well, what a salesman, JP. It's almost like you're uh, you're built for advertising. Almost like there might be uh, some fun uh I bet maybe slotting into the uh, front or back end of some podcast coming up soon about uh, don't know, wow. American beer subscription services, maybe um that you could read off for us. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to uh, <laughs> to hearing that. But no, um like I say, all of that is going on. Um, Have I gotta do that live, by the way, just to <laughs> ask you on here. That's my fear. Are we allowed to, I'm not, I might I'm save it for the post show, which is yeah. another reason to subscribe to the Patreon. In that JP, case. everyone is gonna is gonna read out it. We've uh, gotten like I know those adverts are a bit annoying at the start and end, but since we've joined Red Circle, we can't turn them off. They're just on. It is what it is. If you want, if you want that free version again, patreoncom grapple where you can mm. get the uh, the pre and post show. But yeah, some of an American beer <laughs> subscription service. <laughs> like I mean, we've got obviously we've got a lot of American listeners, JP. So that makes sense why they would yes. approach us to uh, to market their uh, beer. Like uh, me and Gareth are just thinking. And JP should just read out the advertising for 60 seconds in full Stone Cold Steve Austin impression. And we'll just see if the advertisers notice or if they just think, that's just how that guy speaks. I feel like that's the best possible way you could sell that beer. I think so. I think if we have a scorched earth policy to it, which is partly with with this as well, we could turn them away forever. It would be the first one. Um, <laughs> if, we, if we do that, that we could... Um, that it, it might be worthwhile. If they're expecting me to do Austin every week, I mean, it's going to get incredibly difficult after a while because it's quite a lot of text <laughs> there. Um, and I've done zero preparation for this. Um, so I don't know how it's going to go. It's going to be very difficult for me to do it without swearing in some way or another, <laughs> which is already not what they want. Um, I don't know. You can't tell these days, can you? Um, so, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for that one. Oh, doing my yeah. bookie reads next. Uh, <laughs> gamble responsibly. If anybody works for uh, Drizzly, by the way, which is the name of the uh, the company, don't tell them we just did that. Um, but maybe I'll cut it out. But yeah. anyway, the thought so there you go. There's, there's a benefit for a patron to get a JP doing as a as live ad read at the uh, the end of the show. But yeah, as you said there, obviously I did the uh, Alan Farrell versus uh, this week out of uh, respect to our, our good friends over at uh, PW Torch. Uh, we, um, it's a simulcast of uh, Alan's Pro Res Paradise and uh, and uh, the, uh, the latest episode of Versus at the same time with uh, with me and Alan and yeah. 
you can uh, you can get that uh, on the Patreon if you're, if you're so interested where we go. Somehow, well, I say somehow, four odd hours on <laughs> the ROH uh, Hall of Fame class. Our suggestions for who should be in the ROH Hall of Fame class. Lots of sidebars on uh, different stories on, uh, on those different guys. Talk of uh, ROH trips, bottled water, um, all kinds of uh, all kinds of stuff in there. We even oh yeah, the whole milk, the whole milk thing, isn't it? That's what you have to drink. Me and Alan Bowie, yeah. jugs of water. Watch those CM Punk shoots in the uh, in the mid two thousand. Saw him drinking big jugs of water and just assume that's what uh, high level athletes do. Um, impressionable young men we were, JP. Uh, but yeah, you can uh, obviously hear all that on there. There's a uh, this one is exclusive to the uh, the Patreon. Non stop so, uh, pissing when you after drinking that. Christ above. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So yeah, definitely uh, check that out. Uh, hopefully, uh, people uh, enjoy that uh, subject near and dear to my heart. But yeah, I'm dead excited to, to get this Nitro one uh, in the books with you this week, JP. Like I say, I've seen, oh, yeah. seen the first episode. Mall of American Nitro is like my happy place. Like I can watch that episode a million times over. Um, we'll have to. We're saying we'll, it's whether we do Nitro Month Two next, or we do other month ones, or we could do the final Nitro Month. Uh, I think we'll probably end up continuing down this Nitro route if there's anything to go by. Because oh yeah, like, yeah, pure uh, unadulterated fun. Debuts coming out of uh, out of everywhere. You know, Mate. big names turning up. You know, big uh, big matches. Michael Wall Street, stars. Mike. Scott Norton. <laughs> not long out of not long out of North Korea as well, and he's got a temper. <laughs> and I get the answer to my question as well. Like, what was uh, what was IRS doing knocking around with uh, with Ted DiBiase? It made no sense to me that the uh, millions on one was knocking around with a, with a taxman. He wasn't just a taxman; he was a millionaire in his own right. Michael Wall Street. There you go. All works out. All ties together. So. Two yeah, jobs. <laughs> Ironically, paid cash in hand for the accountancy one, which is you know <laughs> completely defeats the gimmick. It makes him a heel. <laughs> Yeah, he had to, he had some gimmicks over the years to that lab, but uh, yeah, we got a uh, Mongo's commentary as well as uh, as Sam has said in the show. So yeah, looking forward to uh, diving in deep on those four episodes with uh, with Gareth uh, back with us uh, this week. So look forward to that over at patreoncom grappling as JP said. Live show coming up in Leeds. We're only uh, a few weeks away from WrestleMania and mm-hmm. that day. So uh, yeah, get your get your tickets now. But yeah, done that. Should we uh, move on to the uh, the week's wrestling, JP? What's been going on? I feel Let's like we've kind of put the world to rights already, really. Nailed some uh, oh, yeah. nailed some new stories there, you know. Uh, Jenny Moore inkling on this uh, big AW announcement from uh, from last week. Have you got uh, well, any more thoughts since we recorded the weekend show on Friday? It feels like it's a business move. I, know, I think I was listening to Brian Alvarez and he was looking at the semantics of what he said and it felt like he's bringing anyone in and it's like, well, who else are they going to bring in who feels really special other than Austin himself, which would be a wonderful fuck you if they managed to convince him of that yeah. to turn up in AEW as a commissioner. Well, that was always Garrett's call, wasn't it? That like, you know, how are you going to, are you going to improve like, the AEW ratings? If like punk and Brian and that haven't like added half a million or whatever to the overall number, like that was his like final hail Mary Get Stone called Steve Austin in, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that it is the hail Mary past, isn't it? <laughs> Outside of The Rock becoming a regular character again, yeah. it is like Austin is the Hail Mary pass, particularly in terms of uh, match quality. It feels like it's a business one. Uh, on the weekend show, I mean, I think the ones that feel like the most common sense would be a streaming service of some sort, possibly some extra TV. Now, on a personal level, I think the thing they should do, because I've not seen it done, on a on a major level is just have an all women's TV product, like really give the shine and focus and give it something entirely different, and that's different to what WWE are doing as well. And I think that would be like 
that would be interesting. Or would it be just some other TV time that they would have, whether that would be something that we've suggested before, like um, a show for kids, like the Hudsucker Proxy of wrestling. Anyway, digress. But <laughs> like, you know, would they put that on, on in the afternoon? The other things which we were sort of talking about earlier on in, in the chat and the pre-show, is it things like a stadium show? Now that could be in the US. Is that also one in in the UK? Are they going to do Craven Cottage? In which case it would need to be at the end of the season. I know I think Fulham are, Fulham are top of the championship, aren't they? So if with like a, a little bit of a lead, so you'd imagine by like May, a lot of that stuff could be wrapped up. Would they would they decide to do that and come over? I know that obviously they've got double them or nothing come over in May. So maybe you focus it for July before the, you know, whether they're in the um, the Premier League or if they're still in the Championship, which require a real collapse. He'll be fucking pissed off. He'll be dealing with a lot more than trying to book a stadium show over here if he doesn't get Fulham up after this. He'll have a lot of, you know, angry Fulham fans or as angry as Fulham fans can ever get, really. Um, those are the ones that feel like they're the more common sense kind of answers towards it that it's a business side I'm probably leaning to a streaming service wacky view Shane McMahon comes in leading an army of ex-WWE wrestlers to set up the new great fucking big feud a la the NWO and he's the viable leader you have come in and you do what he did in like Panama City and every one of these signees turns up and goes yeah we're taking over this company as well <laughs> you've got AEW versus WWE there Obviously, there'll be a lawsuit, but fuck me, I'd laugh at that first angle. We'll get them. We'll get them with it when it's Nitro Month Twenty One or whatever. There. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, that happens. We can do the comparison piece if it, uh, if it happens in AEW as well. Now, like I, I said to you, I think for me, like <laughs> I just it, maybe it's my ROH bath sense being uh, set off to spending uh, oh. four hours of talking it with Alan, but I ju- I feel like there's something there. I feel like. Maybe Tony's made some kind of deal. Like I, I've moved away from my conspiracy theory that he's buying ROH outright and he's going to use it to put all these fucking wrestlers he keeps signing because you know Cesaro being a a free agent and you know the mm. rumors of you know Gresham was backstage at the last uh, Dynamite. You know Shane Strickland's apparently coming in. Like just can't help himself just signing and signing and signing of these wrestlers. So. Maybe there's still some stock in that. Maybe that's you know something that could happen at some point. But I think more likely, especially with them talking NDAs and stuff, it's streaming. It's streaming service. Um, yeah. Suppose as Simon says, it could be a, a crossover with control your narrative. Maybe that's what the narrative is that's being controlled. It's a, a super streaming service that, and also supplements and also uh, <laughs> peppers. And Every salt. day is there live to those control your narrative boys, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's maybe that's the end game there to uh, to make big money, but no, I think I think I I just think to, I feel like they, hopefully this won't age horribly, but I think Tony is piece by piece putting together as we've said before the alternate history of uh, of modern wrestling. You know, let WWE have their yes, they've got their WCW. Um, you know, as we as we'll find out, yes, they've got all the their old territories, but as far as you know, the the new era of wrestling these last twenty years or so, you know, you could make a play for that. You have the uh, the Impact um, TN slash TNA streaming library. You know, we get that uh, King of the Mountain um, mixtape going at uh, at some point to cover all that. They could be, you know those connections with the books you know you would imagine you know the pwg library would be uh, a pretty easy one to uh to scoop up for, for big tone the roh library is clearly you know whether they say it or not 
for sale at this point. That could be like your prize piece, and then you add in all your AW stuff over the last two years. Never mind, you know the 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 original um, all in um, that you could uh, you could throw in there. Mm. Just feels like the way it's being talked about it being a business thing and about there being NDAs and about it being something that will change the the wrestling landscape type of thing. I feel like it's got to be that. It's that or, or yeah. some kind of wrestling promotion buyout, or as you said on the weekend show, maybe like a women's only wrestling promotion he's starting up or TV show he's starting up. I can't see any other candidates for, oh, the wrestling business is changing. It, yeah, it, it's and if it isn't that, it'd be something that kind of skirts around the edges of that, like a show on HBO Max hmm. or something that's Time Warner like kind of linked in with it. Yeah. I mean, the streaming service one is the interesting one because that, Obviously, there's a control of content there as well. There's the old pay-per-views. They could go back to your right. You include your dark and your dark elevations into the mix. But you need other things. And you've mentioned it there, like the other kind of libraries. And I think more on the documentary side. Yeah. Like, And I think that's something they should be really making a play for. Because if they've got people who can make good documentaries, not puff pieces, because there isn't, I, I honestly don't think there's the kind of interest in that. I think that that's kind of stale. But if you want to have Brian Danielson sitting down, going over the best five matches of his career and him talking about his early career, you know, much like we did, um, we did the deep dive um, with Jamesy um, a few months back. Like, there is so much kind of scope and potential for that. And it's the, it's the Ring of Honor library that's key. The only thing is, is it doesn't feel, I mean, A, like obviously Ring of Honor have got that storyline with Impact. Impact don't appear to have any kind of relationship with AEW at the moment. God knows what happened there. Um, they are kind of pushing their own show and other things like this. However, that Ring of Honor Hall of Fame becomes a lot more fucking interesting, let's face it, doesn't it? If if there's a buyout of it and you go, all right, Mania Weekend, we'll put on a Ring of Honor Hall of Fame instead with interesting fucking people on rather than um you know mean mark coming out and talking about the good old good old days when he could be a cunt with no consequences so <laughs> like it'd be a lot more interesting for that i mean but i mean it feels it still feels somewhat fanciful for mm. me for that to be the case it would be great and they should be looking to do it and it'd be a very good use of their time and their money because I always think Ring of Honor have always undervalued that tape library. They've never done it to its fullest extent. I never blame them when they were at a time when they were still very much like a kind of viable entity, but certainly in the Sinclair era, you know, where there was that time and the resources to be able to do that, they never did anything interesting really with it. It feels like they Ring of Honor stopped making documentaries sometime around sort of 2008, 2009. And they became like a pay-per-view and sort of like regional cable television wrestling show. Which we could discover in uh, in month one Monday. No, we will come on. We're not yeah. watching RHD. RHD, HD, net, JP. It's not happening. Hodgewood, mate. Or Hogwood, <laughs> whatever his name was. Maybe one day. But no, that, to me, that that is, that's the most plausible like direction for this story. But I can't really, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to kind of nail down. I mean, before we get into Dynamite and Rampage, obviously, yeah, do you, uh, do you, do you still uh, think that's where Cesaro's headed? Like, I, 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 I kind of thought that, you know, we might uh, end up being part of this face of the revolution ladder match. I could just imagine him in there launching big guys around. I mean, since we caught them Friday, there's been, you know, Melt's doubling down on the idea that, you know, 
No one from AW's been in touch. They've got nothing to do with him leaving. I still feel like Brian's uh, Cesaro's little uh, backdoor route into AEW. Um, so as you could see, we could right see, man. see with the pay-per-view. Could happen. Yeah, I mean, it's like when Alan was saying when he was talking to you, they were like his road wife. Like they were always traveling together. They were always like the kind of best of mates. When Brian got the the creative control, he was very much felt like he was working with Cesaro. Yep. He also felt like he was helping Cesaro transition into much more of that getting into the agent and backstage and trainer kind of area as well. Obviously, it'd been a well paid one. <laughs> it feels like we say this all the time, isn't it? About him, like you know, AEW feels like the kind of place where he could go to and all the interesting stuff there. For me, and the problem is, is COVID, but the route, the ideal route for him, I feel, would be you go to Japan, have the hot matches. And at that point, you come back to the States meaning more because it's like, oh, Cesaro is coming back, but he's fucking motivated. He's having these killer matches in in New Japan or wherever. It won't be Noah, as we'll get onto in a bit. But <laughs> like they, the kind of thing that I think that's almost better for him to be able to rebuild himself. However, COVID, all of the other things come into play. So often a lot of the times for these guys, it's like AEW really is the kind of only game in town for like the consistent kind of salary. If he ends up in an impact, it feels low rent. And it kind of feels like any number of people where it's like, oh, you've gone from WWE to this. So it kind of needs to be AEW or a new Japan where it feels like there's at least sort of like a, you know, a substantial presence and reputation and it, and like the optics of it will look a lot better. Hmm. Um, I'd still expect him to show up at AEW. I don't want him showing up in that um, face of the revolution ladder match because I've already, you know, in my mind, I kind of know how it should end and you don't, don't add anyone else to it. You've got Keith Lee in there. You've got the big Hoss element in there as well. You've got the Starks Hobbs dynamic. You don't need to fuck around. You got Orange Cassidy doing his nonsense. You know, <laughs> you don't need to throw Cesaro in there. It doesn't. I don't think it would necessarily add oh. things. I think there's more, int- like introducing him in, in as an amendum to the Moxley Danielson thing would be a much more interesting way to introduce him. That is a massive problem with AEW right now. Like, I, as much as I love it, and I'm going to praise this week's show, like it's not a massive problem. It's just it's Tony in it. Like, I, I could absolutely see. Like, I feel like it's inevitable. Like, Cesaro's coming to AW. Of course he is. Don't kid yourself. Like, it's happening. But, like, he just loves his new toys. He loves them. Like, he brings them in to get their big match. <laughs> then they go back in the toy box. And he's got, like, he's got a little toy box for, for AW Dark in Dark Elevation there. Some of the toys just get stuck in. And he just forgets that he's put them in there. And then some of the toys, like, you know, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, brings them in, plays them with, the, for, for, with them for a few weeks, and then forgets they're there. Mercedes Martinez, like, when they shot that big angle with her, mm-hmm. disappeared for six weeks. You know, <laughs> Jay Lethal, remember him? Like, <laughs> it's the, it is hard. You, you said there, like, you know, oh, you wouldn't be ironic if he ended up back in ring of honor after all (laughs) maybe maybe that's (laughs) just a way to use him and he just never gets out that's where this is uh this is maybe headed yeah kings of wrestling back together or something like that yeah it it is like you know there is a lot of that where it's like okay come on Mm. like there's already enough toys to play with here there's already enough people to get behind let's and, and like i said to you on friday like you can make that argument and i've made the argument right but this person's an exception 
right, but this person's an exception. Kyle O'Reilly, that's an exception because he can team with Bobby Fish. Jeff Hardy, clearly coming in. You know, he basically said as much in that interview he did last week. Well, that's an exception because he can team with Matt Hardy and then you can do Young Bucks, Matt, the Hardy Boys, and there's more... I'd agree with that one. There's more value in the Hardy Boys than Matt Hardy turning up on me telly four times yeah. per show doing Money Matt or whatever he's doing. You know, maybe there's... There's value to that, but like you know, your Tony nieces of the world and all of these other people who are constantly this constant like stream of of new talent coming in. It's exciting and it keeps things fresh. But you know, you gotta. There's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, and yeah, mm. like I think the thing with Cesaro is like you know, I I was very critical of him. You know, on the on the WWE side when. You know, for for all of the complaining people do about Cesaro's booking and for everything they say about, you know, he should have been a main eventer. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but my argument was always, well, you know, he's had opportunities to leave and he didn't take them. Like, so, you know, why are you fighting his battles for him as this big injustice? Like, you know, it's like the biggest travesty, you know, in the world that Cesaro didn't get pushed harder when, you know, for all we know, like Kevin Owens, like Sami Zayn, he seemed to be someone who didn't really care that much and wanted the money. I will say, you know, clearly... He has put his, you know, money where his mouth is, and he has kind of stepped up. And I bet you know, a lot of it is the fact that, you know, Brian Danielson. It sounded like at the time when he was booker, talked Cesaro into staying, and he's probably the one who's talked him into leaving now to coming in. So, you know, it comes to AEW, he will be a protected act. Um, you know, once mm. he's there, and you know, did they? It's a lot stronger wrestling promotion now than it was, you know, two years ago. Like you look at the fact that. You know, the likes of a, a Jamesy or people with like those kinds of taste in wrestling didn't really gravitate towards AEW because it was a lot of samey guys doing, you know, a very indie style of wrestling. You look at the show up and down now, you know, you got Brian Danielson in there, you got Punk in there, you know, they're bleeding in like younger wrestlers like Daniel Garcia in the main event this week. More wrestlers of a style that, you know, has a little bit more substance to it and is a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. more down that line. Cesaro is another one of those, isn't he? That he adds another, you know, He's a good hand, you know. He's a very, mm. you know, a very technically accomplished kind of wrestler. Who don't get me wrong, he wasn't out there having five star matches with Joe Punk and uh, and Brian and the likes in the in the classic Ring of Honor days. But he was always a good addition to the roster, and he was always a good addition when he was in WWE. So, you know, I, I think he will improve the quality. It's just fitting the fucker in. Like that's the thing. That's and they've got limited television time. And they've got too many people now for the television time there is. Like, if we're being realistic about it, there's an overall upgrade of their talent roster that's going on where they're kind of basically cycling out that early stages of talent who, for a lot of them, they weren't great in the ring. And I think the biggest proof of this is when you look at the depth of the pay-per-views. Look at the last three pay-per-view cards and then go back if you look like a year before that. And what you'll see is a very strong mid-card full of like good wrestling all round. Like it, it, it's, it's pretty solid. And this one is like, again, it's another stacked show. I'm not saying every match and it'll be brilliant, but there's good wrestlers all round. And if they're not the best wrestler, then there's a reason why they're there. Like say someone like a Jade Cargill, who is a project wrestler. Um, so I think that's what you've got with, with that, where you've got that kind of great wrestling. I mean, however, it doesn't always result in ratings. As we know, we'd like we'd like it to, but it doesn't always work like that. Um, there's very much of more of a like it's like a clearly defined focus of what they want at their core, which is good wrestling, and at the big wrestling, at the big moments of stuff that happen in the ring, 
and you know coming back to nitro whatever i mean that was one of the, the things i always liked about nitro generally stuff happened in the ring if it was big interviews they happened in the ring it wasn't like you know the pre-tapes were the pre-tapes and they existed for a reason to kind of hype something up but it was very much a smaller scale and so like i think overall this is like getting in these types of wrestlers this is where we get to your kind of streaming deals and whatever this big announcement is i think it needs to be something that results in more time because then you've got the justification to spend the money and bring in more wrestlers like that because you'll have more real estate for them to play with where they're substantial my fear is you bring in a cesar at the moment he gets swamped it feels like keith lee's swamped you know it's almost like buddy matthews has been there for a year already he only turned <laughs> up on wednesday like it's like, oh he's there is he great I forgot he came um, of course yeah. yeah yeah and don't get me wrong like you'd hear all you think about his work particularly at the end of his wwe run where it's really good a great wrestler. where you had yeah look really good wrestler looks great he's got a lot to kind of prove himself so he's going to be motivated and hungry there's just not enough space so it's like chuck him with the goth lads that's the thing <laughs> that we're going to chuck chuck him in a They'll be, they'll be all right. Check them out with the metal boys. Cesaro will come in and they'll put him with best friends. He'll be like, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chuck him with Dan House and Orange Cassidy. That's what they seem to do. Just stuff him there. It, there you go. Add an extra one. They've got a new friend. This is <laughs> this is real money ball. This is really where Mookie Ball needs to come in is when they look at that roster and it's like, well, who do you get rid of? Yeah. Who is Who can you get some value out of and who isn't there? And how much have you freed up from the Cody Rhodes deal, if there is any money including on any potential deal, like is that going to be able to kind of cover some of these costs? But I, I think there's the fundamental issue, and I think it's a knock-on effect perhaps. I, one of the things, and you've heard me bang on about here for a long time, is, is about the storytelling. And the storytelling has always kind of worried me. We speak a lot about n- narrative. I think there's times where where AEW need to control their narratives because at times they've got too much going on, haven't they? (laughs) Not an insult. Well, I've got another one. I'm hoping we'll challenge that later on. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I've thought about it, or I made sure to write it down as soon as I thought (laughs) of it. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to let that one go. Um, But they've needed to control it, because I've just felt the storytelling has gotten a bit too all over the place. Mm. And if the problem has been, is they just don't have enough time, realistically, in order to be able to do it. And they're fitting a lot in. I mean, this pay-per-view card is fucking stacked, like in terms of actual matches, some of which could go a long time as well. So, uh, and they've done as good a job as they can building this one up with some consistently good TV, particularly over the last month, over February. Like there was a marked improvement, I think, from sort of like a lot of December, January. And... It's just how do you bleed this in? And if someone like Cesar at the moment, if he goes there, he's lost in the shuffle. If he's able to wait and buy this time, I say Japan is a much more interesting option and it doesn't rule out AEW. It just means he gets to heat himself up. But in a way, he'll be more in control of his character. And guess what? He'll just be able to have long, long matches. Those are depends what he's after. It depends, I, like I say, I, even if he doesn't come for come in for a long term deal, maybe that's the answer. You know, a few more short term deals. There's a lot of people 
you know, they do feel like they've come in on a short-term deal. You know, they get the graphic, they've signed with AEW, but, like, after a month worth of TVs, they kind of get cycled out again, and you you don't hear from them then. You know, they're still going to make time to bring mm. Miro back in. <laughs> but, you know, it seems like he's just waiting for, like, a spot at this point, you know, for for room and, you know, on the card. to, to... Shane McMahon invasion angle. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Bring it on the lads. That's... <laughs> Everyone can come in then. Tony Nice, you got a reason to use him then in that case, haven't you? Who's in a who's coming in with Shane? Is it like has he got Triple H with him? Has he got a you could have like a, the power brokers of wrestling, you know? You could have uh Jeff Jarrett, you know, he's he's on the free market, Gabe Sabolsky. <laughs> that, that could be the uh the his motley crew. It would be like it could be the worst and simultaneously the best like invasion angle of all time schrodinger's invasion angle <laughs> angle if if there is such a thing um for that to be the case but that would be the only way of like at, at this point when it comes to the signings i'd have a one in one out policy get shot of joey janella and marco stunt oh they're those right. guys i think i think that i think they're they've, basically gone already aren't they they've had a good run i'm assuming kit sabian already has if he hasn't already you know there are a lot of people like that where there just isn't going to be a place outside of dark and dark elevation. And what are they going to be offering? And wrestling used to be like that. It used to be a bit where you left because it was a good thing for you to leave because that's how you kept your character fresh. So when you did come back, you meant something more. Whereas how do you mean anything if you never go away? I mean, for me though, as well, like I think that, and this ties into talking about this week's Dynamite, kind of see it both ways because on the one hand i agree with you they've got all this tv time they, they haven't got enough tv time to fill all these people in and then sometimes <laughs> i watch the tv and i'm like i mean right but and i know melter was big on that this week you know talking about the um kind of the sliding scale of the overall uh dynamite rating last week even though the 1849 held up well right through like the main events as an overall number was the weakest point of the show which you don't like to see brian daniel uh, brian danielson versus daniel garcia and I do sometimes watch Dynamite and go, I mean, I know I like them cycling people in and out, and I like them, you know, having a pecking order on the roster, but could they be doing more like, you know, top guy that, top guy doesn't have to face, you know, Daniel Garcia, who hasn't had a winner's in his entire AW career. He could be facing somebody from the mid-level, you know, he could be facing Pac, he could be facing, you know, Malachi Black, he could be facing, you know, somebody with a bit, a bit of credibility there. You know, there is still... You know, that, that kind of competing thing where, like, there isn't enough time, but then maybe there is, because there is a lot of, you know, meaningless one-sided mm. matches that get onto Dynamite, that get onto Rampage, that, you know, that, that, is a, that, is a, that is a finely tuned balance that I don't think they always get entirely right. But do you think, going on to that point, do you think the mid-card is too stacked? I mean... I don't think they do enough in terms of individual interesting matches. Like you mentioned a, a pack and a Malachi Black, things like that. There are interesting dynamics that they don't People quite can afford often to lose. go for. Yeah. 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 But, they don't but the mid card is so competitive. <laughs> it's like a really good mid table in mm. the Premier League where it's like, look, they can beat any of the big boys on their given day. However, mm. that mid table is there because they're not always consistent. So they are going to lose a few. And I think you can have that. It's what we don't really, because there isn't really like a lower card per, per se, because they just go like from mid card, lower mid card to jobber really, isn't it? That That's kind of where they are. I mean, someone like the bunny feels like possibly the low end of the card, but they're, I don't know, they can't have a show go more than a week without her appearing on there, even if she's not very good. Um, 
So yeah, I think there's more interesting things they could do with the mid card overall. I think there's a lot of combinations. I think he's somewhat risk averse and gets worried. Am I hot shotting TV? Is that why we get a good rating? And it's like, well, you're not hot shotting it if you're going to go back to these matches, but are going to have more stakes down the road. Which I think Danielson versus Garcia will have eventually. We'll look back at this match as being the starting point of something yeah. between them. And there's, you know, we're not talking extremes, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, this is not TNA, you know, we we don't want them to do, cares, like I remember, like, well, one I always remember is Kurt Angle and Sting happening on a random impact in a Russo era with like 10 days, not even 10 days, build, 10 minutes build, like, and it was just a match and it was just forgotten out immediately. And then when they finally did get around to doing a, a quote unquote big match with the two of them, well, it wasn't first time anymore, so it wasn't quite as special. And he'd do that, you know, we're, we're not saying that, you know, that the, the CM Punk shouldn't be facing Brian Danielson on a, on a rando episode of Dynamite. But yeah, I do, I do, I kind of side with Melton on that argument that there is a, Maybe a happy medium, and maybe you you, mm. you bleed in more of like that upper mid card talent by by doing things that way. And yeah, and I'm with you. There is a is a heavy heavy pack in the middle of AW. It's a it's a wealth of talent. It's probably why you know Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen are messing around in this hardy family mm. off a six man on the pay per view because the other problem is there's a lot of guys like that that you kind of almost you know you can't quite make time to give them a, pro- a program because you know the, the pay-per-view is so stacked and the, there are so many people there so it is a balance and draw day extremes yeah i draw day. i mean i draw day in malachi black like they fell victim to the codiverse i feel like but mm. yeah they don't feel you know like they're on as much they it's like i said i saw somebody describe pack as like because he i'd fit, I'd fit him in with them too as like a bit of a group pack feels yes. like a recurring character he doesn't feel like a you know, a full-time member of the roster. And I know a lot of that is the fact that he, he comes back and yeah. forth from the UK a lot. But, you know, guys like that, it's like, yeah, you do kind of forget they exist every now and then. It's true. If you think of them like, if you think of it again, like a television, think of it like Game of Thrones. You've got your main characters and you have other kind of big characters come in who feel like, oh, okay, so they're going to be really big to the overall plot and narrative yeah. of AEW, which is ultimately the world title scenes. That's the kind of big thing at the goal. That's your that's your iron throne, isn't it? At the end of the day. What we have is loads and loads of really interesting and kind of like characters you like seeing, but they're very sporadic. And quite often they often feel like they're kind of like they're not they shouldn't be teased in kind of like bigger feuds. And in some ways you want to see some of them go, well, like a natural storyline would be hang on, I want to move further up the pe- pecking chain. Like it's kind of what MJF is as a character he represents as someone who is, no, I'm going after the big fish because I want to be the big star. And you kind of almost want to see that projected made different types of ways for all of a lot of the other mid card. So someone like a Malico Black should be going, no, I want to be AW world champion. I want to dominate the company and these two lads behind me, nor the fella, he hasn't got any tattoos. He's different to us, but ultimately <laughs> they're going to win the tag belts. Do you know what I mean? But just like put yourself as more what the focus of the of the kind of company should be. I love that from Andy Ryan in the uh, the chat. There, Hangman is very Jon Snow. He is, you know, like he is. He's, kind of, he's the he's the main character, but not really the main character. He's like you know he's kind of like a little bit still in the background, a little bit like, but he's kind of always there, handsome young lad who eventually gets pushed to the forefront. I could see some comparisons there. Gets told he knows nothing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's something to it. There's something to it. But yeah. 
Yeah, you know, gonna... you know, nothing. Jon Snow is pretty much the same as you were a jobber in Ring of Honor, weren't you? Just, you know. <laughs> uh, there you go. So Adam Cole needs to lean into that some more on uh, on Dynamite uh, this week, I reckon. Because yeah, I mean, just to briefly say, we got a lot of uh, fun TV wrestling and uh, and the like to uh, to get into there. I know there's one you're particularly excited to uh, to talk about today, JP. So we'll get uh, we'll get Dynamite and Rampage done before we get into the the abuse of uh, of small people um, and talk about uh, our, uh, our our highlights and uh, our lowlights from the. Uh, I'm gonna feel bad talking about that. <laughs> this could be the cancelled show. It's warmer signs in terms of the the emotions that were there. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Well, yeah, so, you know, I talked to you on Friday on the weekend show, which has kind of become mini spotlight at this point, and we uh, kind of give our immediate takes, uh, you know, morning after on uh, on Dynamite and uh, and what we uh, what we thought of it, you know, in, in broad strokes. But, yeah, you've uh, you've now seen the uh, the full show. I mean, what, what stood out to you on, on Dynamite this week? That Obviously, we're heading heavy towards the uh, the pay-per-view. We were saying, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of promos on this show. Mixed yeah. bag, some great. Some not so great, some half good, half bad, depending on uh, the two people in the segment. In uh, in my personal mm. opinion, but yeah, I think it's the promos are kind of the talk of the town, aren't they? With uh, with this uh, with this with this show this week, um, obviously the uh, the MJF one um, being a uh, key among them. I'll probably say mm. that's like a good starting point. Obviously, I think we're all expecting you know Dynamite come Wednesday night to have some kind of payoff where. Punk beats the ever loving shit. Sorry, MJF beats the ever loving shit out of uh, Punk because it's it's all a setup. But yeah, what did you make of the uh, the MJF um, promo on the show with his uh, you know leading into his real story? You know, it's, it seems like from the uh, the wrestling classic uh, Instagram account, it's very much true uh, the story he told, and from uh, people mining his uh, his old Facebook posts, you know, about him uh, starting to wrestle. You know, the story about of him seeing the uh, the Punk and Brian um, handshake pick, and it kind of motivating him to get going. Sounded like it was uh, it was true as well. It was uh, then depending on where you land, it was either he was too empathetic to be babyface, or we were adding layers to the MJF character, or. It was. It's all a big dirty setup for uh, to punk to have the uh, the shit kicked out of him for. But yeah, what did you make of it as a uh, as a as an angle? Oh well, it's going to feel like the most cop out answer in the world. In some ways, it depends on what happens this week. Yeah, that's that's the problem between that and the pay per view are going to define how good this was. Mm. My immediate thoughts on it was, I loved it because it made the story take a slightly different turn rather yeah. than they come out, do a competing promo. To, uh, they deliver their own promo on separate weeks in order to kind of like build to the match. But I think here it's the idea of making Punk almost like not want to hurt him, that in some way he's responsible for like kind of MJF being there as well. And if this ultimately is like an origin story, like the purpose of it, and I would recommend everyone have a read of Rich Fan's article on PW Torch where he, um, he kind of compares him to Iago basically is kind of like a tragic villain. And in a sense, that's what you're kind of going for. Now, this is big for wrestling TV, all right? Tragic villain to Vince means a heel that cries, probably in his mind, or something kind of equally kind of pathetic. But here, there's loads of interesting stuff that's going on. And in some ways, I wonder whether or not, like, the idea of this is that Punk has kind of got the better of the promo battles, really, in, in the build-up to this point, I kind of feel, like, in terms of, like, the comebacks and everything else. But this sort of changed the dynamic a bit. And yeah. I thought that was interesting. 
where I came out of it is, is, is it really does depend on what happens next because now he has to do something really truly heelish in order to get it back and realize, yeah, I've taken this and now I've become this kind of like twisted, awful person. And that requires some very nuanced wrestling uh, writing, which isn't something that wrestling and nuance kind of go well together. That's like quite, that's quite a difficult, tricky act. So I kind of, my immediate thoughts is I, I thought it was excellent in terms of delivery and everything else. And the fact that it is kind of real. And this is the thing I think where, where you talk about MJF, probably his strength ultimately is his kind of mind for being a heel. And there's like a recognition of, okay, like I can deliver the type of promo that takes this in a different direction. I mean, even when Punk came out and he's like, is it real? Is it real? Like it was like, by the end of it, I kind of felt like somewhat confused, but not in a bad way. So yeah. I'm probably higher on it than what you are. However, if they like in an ideal world, you have to do something completely despicable, but ultimately you've got the nugget of the MJF babyface character there with this story. But it's very early doors to be introducing it, I seeing agree. as this guy should be the mega heel of your company. Ultimately, we should be years away from that. That shouldn't even be really a conversation. Should be having. That should be like four years from now, yeah, where he's run roughshod. It should be an extremely temporary because of the situation thing where, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, he joins the team of baby faces to fight off the heels at a war games or something or, a, you know, blood and guts or whatever. Like, I I mean, I wouldn't paint it as I, di- I didn't like it because I definitely, I just went through a range of emotions mm-hmm. watching it, like everyone, like watching it. Like at first I was thinking this is too much. This is too much. And it feels like a bit of too much of a departure from everything we know about the MJF character. Then, like, as it starts to come out that a lot of it was true, and to be honest, you could tell in the moment that it yeah. there was definitely a, a nugget of truth for it. Even then, I was a little bit torn. It was a bit like, oh, no, this is good stuff. He's delivering it. Like, and that's the thing about MJF. His delivery is unparalleled, you know, with wrestling. He's delivering it so well. I'm kind of with it. And then when he, when he kind of had that one single tear rolling down his face, I, like, I actually laughed, and I was like, oh, there it is. Right, okay. Punk's going to get beaten up now. And that never came. And, you know, I was a bit like, oof, that better be coming. Because, you know, you're, the, the thing is, the things he was saying in that promo were like, you couldn't really just turn around and say psych. You know, when he's bringing up, you know, the abuse he got for being Jewish and, you know, things like very, very serious things. Mm. You can't, even though it's MDF, even then, I don't think you can reasonably turn around and say psych. And, you know, Andy says here, you know, the promo felt like a villain in a, you know, an action film, he puts it. You know, you see the emotional side, but eventually, eventually he'll bugger you over, said in the other words of, uh, of Andy Ogden there. I can just hear his, uh, <laughs> hear his uh, soothing Rochdale accent. But, yeah, it, I, I think that's... That's okay if that is where we're heading. I'm with you on that. And I think I have warmed to it. And I think at first there was part of me that was like, Punk looks like a bit of a schmuck here, you know, coming out and saying, oh, I don't believe, you know, oh, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? But then again, you know, like yes. Punk's just reacting like a human being to another human being, you know, going out there and for all intents and purposes, spilling his heart and telling some truth. But I think what this needs is, yes, you know, this Wednesday on Dynamite for it to, I don't think, at this point, you know, no, we're not going to come out and go, ah, it was all made up. But I think we are going to get, you know, 
maybe MJF, you know, exaggerated a couple of things, or maybe it doesn't even have to be that. Maybe he just used the real life hurt to kind of lower Punk's guard, and then he's going to beat the shit out of him. Like, uh, I think if they do that, it's absolutely fine. It does add, you know, you don't always need to have too much depth to, to villains and too much origin story and too much empathetic part of them, especially someone like MJF, who's one of the, the few people on this TV show who gets legitimate boos and, you know, there have been mm. all the moments, you know, like when they were in his hometown where maybe I, I didn't like that they were leaning into the uh, the cheers and making him too sympathetic. At the end of the day, if yeah, it is all that and it is all, you know, not a smoke screen, but it is all a bit of a setup and it does add some more stakes to this. And like I say, we've got one more dynamite to go and it feels like the big end of show angle because everything else is kind of, you know, as heated up as a, as it's going to be. I'm with it, you know, I'm sold. Um, but like you said, it's the mm. caveat of that happening, <laughs> which 90% yeah. sure that's where they're going. 90% we're not just going to, you know, go into the pay-per-view with Punk being a reluctant baby face or, you know, we're going we're gonna to go into the, into the pay-per-view cheering MJF. Uh, I do think there's going to be, you know, a second part of the story and like, yeah, at all great TV shows, yeah, you have got to kind of let it play out, see what happens the week after and, you know, see where this particular story is going. Yeah. I mean, you know, in all the talk of narratives, which seems to be the buzzword for it, for this one, this is, at least this one is taking, like, at least taking a slightly different direction because I think one of our big complaints is there was stuff, if you can remember that that time before, oh, when he infused with Jericho and in a circle stuff, that'll be really good. And when he turns heel on him, or even going back to Cody and stuff like that. And ultimately, like, they became kind of overblown as as stories and he didn't really lose anything from it. This is like the kind of big one, isn't it? This is, and it's the idea as well that he's kind of on a promo perspective, he said something that's kind of got to punk, but it's not what punk expects. And those are the kind of dynamics and story beats that are a bit more interesting yeah. um, um, cool. for them, for them to be able to, but like you say, all depends on Wednesday. Speaking about one that I really didn't like as far as promo segments on the show, and I've heard every opinion under the sun from lots of people I respect from it was an amazing segment to it was terrible to, you know, Eddie was good, but Jericho was terrible to Eddie was good. uh, Jericho was good, but Eddie was terrible. Like I've heard every opinion in every direction on this one. Uh, Yeah, Kingston, Jericho, like I've got an idea for me. This was two two people talking past each other. This segments like I didn't think they were in the same game. Uh, it felt like Eddie Kingston was trying to build a blood feud, and Chris Jericho was, you know, when he wasn't talking it up as what an honor it is for 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 someone of Eddie Kingston's level to to get to face a Chris Jericho in a match. It was literally it felt like before they went out there, Chris Jericho backstage had been sat there on his phone watching the Punk Kingston segment and was like, "Yeah, I'll do that." And just went out there and without the backstory and the history of Punk and Kingston, just out there going, yeah, you're lazy. Yeah, well, you know, you don't try hard enough. Or yeah, well, you're a bum who didn't make it on the... All of that, you know, it was all of the Punk material just repurposed. And 
his delivery was relatively good. Although you know, like I say, there were that gr- there was that great moment where Kingston called him out when he used the phrase "baby face." Um, he's wanted yeah. to do that, Jericho. Even on commentary, he talks about bumps and and all kinds of stuff uh, on Rampage. But uh, oh, don't get on the picture in picture in Rampage. Fuck me, <laughs> they go off the reservation, don't they? They really do. Yeah, it feels like the editors on it on Rampage have the work cut out of them there, cutting out some uh, bits of uh, prime Jericho commentary. But yeah, for me, I mean, I don't know. Wait, I don't think you'd seen it at the point we uh, we did the, the weekend yeah. show. But where did you stand on it? Were you one of the people who enjoyed both uh, contributions to it? Like, were you someone who like, yeah, I don't know. For me, it just didn't connect. It felt like two different, two just two different feuds happening at once, and two wrestlers doing different things that just didn't feel like there was chemistry there and i'm not 100 there's going to be chemistry there for the match no i'm with you for that the main note on here is it's two different promos and none of it was about what the central issue at hand which was really about like santana and ortiz to a degree do you know what i mean it's like yeah. there was a thing about this where it kind of went off down this other path and it was like that's where i went well the purpose of this is like well how has this come together because it just looks like You've got four guys in there alongside Eddie Kingston. He's not done anything to you or like kind of in there. So he's like, it's like, it was like, felt like you missed, you've missed a week. You've missed yeah. some week of storytelling and they've gone into these promos. And then when they've done the promos, they're two different promos the whole time. Now I'm more predisposed to like Eddie Kingston. It's partly, you know, I've heard Jericho for the last 30 years. So I'm well aware of the stuff that, that he does and he delivers. And that's fine. I think, with this and it's an interesting match but it should be bigger than what it is I think that's the probably the thing about this it should be a much bigger match than what this is at the moment and it should almost feel like in an effort that Eddie Kingston is kind of taking over his place as a kind of like as more of a, a kind of guy that people listen to rather than Jericho now what some of this I think where it'd work better is is really, and it's going to sound a bit weird, but Jericho being more heelish, I think, which is oh, a thing that he, like, and I think that is, if we end up there, then that's fine. That's where this kind of should be as like the bitter overlooked guy who's getting older, but just doesn't recognize that his kind of day in the sun has come and gone. And that like a lot of the people are kind of like, I don't know, like they're, they're disillusioned in him, which is probably how a lot of people feel. But, yeah, I, I, I just felt like, it's like you said before, they were talking past each other. And therefore, you get you get to a point where I was I kind of thought to myself, well, why are they having this conversation in the first place? Yeah, why is this feud happening? Like, Why is this happening? Jericho had nothing to do this month. Um, yeah. yeah, it's odd. I mean, Andy says there, Kingston needs a win. Um, and I am with him on that one. I do feel like... I'll, I'll I'll forgive it, you know. I um, you know, Simon says there as well. You know, there are again, you know, there are people who are quite high on this promo, particularly Jericho's delivery, kind of saying, well, him being a bit out of touch was kind of the point, and people like us who were maybe more negative on the on the segment are, are being worked to an extent. Okay, fair enough. As long, I mean, as long as I get that outcome, Eddie Kingston winning an AEW pay per view match then I'll be happy with that because that's just kind of, you know, the part of this feeling of retread is going to feel even worse. This feels like a retread of Punk Kingston because we know what happened with Punk Kingston. Not that everything Punk said was right, well, Kingston was right, but Kingston didn't get that cathartic, ah, fuck you, told you so, 
and beating him moment, he better fucking get it with Jericho. Because <laughs> if we if we just you know beat for beat do the same thing again, Jericho goes over Kingston. It's one one and done, and it turns out yeah maybe Kingston doesn't try hard enough or doesn't apply himself enough, and it's another one of them. It's like well when's that win actually coming for Kingston? Like I know we'll yeah. talk about it more on the on the weekend show, but you know Jericho at this point like doesn't need to be winning big matches in AEW you know no there are no dream matches for AEW for Chris Jericho anymore like it was shown when we did that uh, that draft you know we did on the BWE side where nobody drafted Chris Jericho despite you know his inherent star power and used potentially to a to a company because would you really want to book him against in a match there isn't anyone I don't want to see it anymore like I just don't So you would like to hope that, like, I mean, uh, maybe Jericho will see it as a thing. You know, he's, you know, he's he's making kind of like, you know, since his health issues the tail end of last year is obviously in a lot better shape now, and he's kind of making it's almost like he's got a bit of ex- extra life in him, and he's trying to, you know, do something fresh this year. Maybe you want to set that example. You know, I'm the guy who put over Eddie Kingston. You know, I'm the guy who was willing to to do business and that. You know, to be fair to Jericho, it's not like he's had issues in the past putting people over or anything, but. Part of me feels like they're going to protect Jericho and we're going to keep going yeah. with this Kingston story with no real logical end in sight because, yeah, you can't keep telling this bloke he's a loser and not have him be a winner at some point. Like, I feel like that that mm. that moment, that breaking point has to come. And I think there's money in a Kingston baby face kind of title charge as the guy who's not meant to be there never does it but kind of just through sheer willpower and determination kind of gets himself there and I, I I think there is this money in him as a character and I think they've always seen that I mean he's he's become a very integral part backstage to that company in a remarkably quick amount of time it, it does like I mean he I I would say he has to win, but like you, if you're asking me to put a prediction for it, I'm going to say Jericho because it just feels that's what they're going to do. And, but that's not the right thing to do because they need to start thinking. We spoken earlier on about all these possible signings, how stat the roster is. If you can somehow remove Chris Jericho from that kind of aspect for a while, if, Freeze out a lot of t- it frees up oh, a, a lot of TV time, yeah, and commentary. Um, maybe the lesser of two evils, but um, well, I don't know actually. Suppose yeah, I've got a mute button on my remote, so you know there is. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I, <laughs> and catch up the podcast. Your catch up with podcast during rampage, mate. It's a great way to uh, do double juicy. <laughs> <laughs> really is, isn't it? I mean, I I had it on. I kind of had it on, like not in the background. Person, I was paying attention, but I wasn't like quite paying attention. So yeah, I had the commentary on and stuff like No. <laughs> if you told me the show didn't happen this week, I believe you. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> no, there was a couple of bits I liked on it. I will say that. But yeah, the just over overall, I mean Kingston with Santana and Ortiz is is much more interesting. It's whether or not do they get roped into a feud then with Moxley against Danielson and his crew if they do something like that. I think that's stuff that they're but then that would distract from Santana and Ortiz going for the tag belts, which isn't a storyline that they appear to be going with at the moment, but that's the because that's the next big kind of baby face team chase, isn't it? Is is Santana and Ortiz going for those tiles? We've had Jurassic Express, we've had the Lucha Brothers. That would be the one that you'd want to go to. Um 
So yeah, it's very weird. It's very. This is where you get the convoluted storytelling and things going in. It's just like there isn't the natural fits at point that you think that they would be. Yeah. Well, you know, Sean asks you. You know, do do we think Eddie would have turned heel with Mox a few a few months mm. ago? Maybe that would have been his route. I don't know. I, I I think we get a different AEW. I don't think Brian turns either. Yeah. Um In that reality, and I wonder whether they could have really successfully turned Eddie. You know, I think it might have led to another Eddie Mox match with you know Eddie on the babyface side and Mox on the heel side. I think that's probably more likely where we there uh, we'd end up. But I think with the current you know setup of AEW, as Sean said there, I think yeah, I think we are probably more likely to see an association with uh with Eddie and uh and uh, and LAX potentially um because they do like to uh to join people up even if inner circle is is done as a stable but yeah i suppose that's where we're going with that one we'll see see more what happens on uh on dynamite this week i'd you know getting into you know the other stuff up and down the uh the car that was kind of set up on this show i did think it was a very very strong week for hangman page um mm. you know i've been extremely critical of his kind of lot in life as, as champion as he felt like world champion no um you know he doesn't feel like the most important wrestler on the card because he isn't the most important wrestler on the card um and there's not even an illusion of that you know that the, the title is the most you know happened again we, we talked uh, at length about the kenny run and some of our you know misgivings with that as good as moments where it, there were definitely times also where it didn't feel like aw had a world champion because kenny was a little bit you know messing around with the books or you know, didn't feel like the focus of a, a shows a lot of the time. That's kind of been true for Hangman, but I do think this week, you know, just getting him in the ring, you know, just laying into to dudes, you know, bump O'Reilly and Fish, you know, who have been uh, missing for a, a little while, you know, bump bumping their, their asses off for him, you know, setting mm. up the uh, the big moment with uh, with John Silver at the end of this uh, this tag battle royal for Hangman and him looking like a million bucks there. I felt like. Yeah, this is the arse kicking Hamman Page I want to see, and yeah, you know it hasn't been perfect to build with with Page and Cole, but that feels like one with you know one more segment on on Dynamite presumably to go to to heat it up just a just a little bit more. I think we're uh, we're in a good spot with that one, and Hangman's in a in a stronger spot. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we were playing a TW, I'd say you know his momentum was at like maybe a B at this point, whereas it's been a bit of a, a D or a C in uh, in previous weeks. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a funny one. I, I have a funny feeling when we go back and we say compare the Hangman page with the Kenny, uh, the Hangman page run and the Kenny run as champion, that Hangman page will have had the better matches, like by almost like a distance already, if we're going to be kind of honest about it. I think what's interesting is that the um, is, is with Hangman page here, it's just that simple element of fire because that's something that had been missing on a lot of the previous weeks um, of him is that he felt very passive. He wasn't proactive and it wasn't a case of like, he was, it was like he is a champion who was putting up with shit and that just gives you a bad vibe. And at the end of it, you're like, ah, oh, this is, you know, you don't ultimately have that kind of belief in him. Whereas here he came down and he took on red dragon and he looked like he was kicking ass. He, like was fired up and kind of like heavy and involved. And you thought, good, this is a proactive champion who's just like, no, I'm fucking beat you in the big match. And he's, you know, going to do it. And I, I, I suspect the match will be, if, if I, I just fear about if, if Cole doesn't, if it doesn't veer into melodrama, I'm not saying this is Adam Cole been doing it for a choice, but 
maybe, you know, cross-eyed Yoda has kind of got his talons into him quite deeply. So he does the staring at <laughs> his hands melo, melodra- melodrama that's there as well. Um, uh, th- but who I could tell if he's think- lying? I can't even tell it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns out Sean Miles in believing a god. I'll just throw that out there as well, deep down. Um, <laughs> Ask FTR about that, they'll tell you. Uh, yeah. Apparently he was mean to them. Yeah, he's pretty... Not really surprised. Just the <laughs> no. Pope shit in the woods, mate. Sean Michaels being a dick backstage at a wrestling show. Second nature to him. Um, okay. They're just lucky. It's lucky he didn't have a bag nearby because he'd have done a fucking hot steaming turd in there, given half a chance. Like the fact that, like you know, but his gimmick was a Christian. He had like literal gear with like crosses on and like t-shirts he sold with crosses on and stuff. It's a fucking gimmick, folks. <laughs> it wasn't. Right. You know, I'm sure there's some reality to it, but at the end of the day, it's it's still fuck. It's still the same old show, Michaels. Um, you get what you just get. watch the Righteous Gemstones. That's more <laughs> the kind of vibe he's at when it comes to the to the Christian end. Nailed I it. would suggest That's exactly what um, he is. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna but, I was gonna say I think where the melodrama's coming with this story, it's the it's the it, the doing it with the young bucks and uh, and and O'Reilly yeah. and Fish. I think that's and it, unfortunately, you know, to your point before, it kind of it's kind of taken over the tag division as well. Unfortunately, because like they had this tag battle mm. royal which was built around it, and yes, I really enjoyed this payoff at the end, and I was kind of looking at it going, "Why is John Silver in the final few here?" And it made sense in the end because it was payoff. They got the big hangman mm. moments that worked really well. What I didn't like so much because I mean it's it's obvious as anything you know we're having Red Dragon go over here well clearly the Young Bucks are going to win the other battle royal and for some reason we're doing a three way with Jurassic Express rather than those two teams just wrestling each other but it does kind of like you know to your point before about Santana and Ortiz and this was a big kind of bugbear of mine watching the show it's like you know watching them two like come out of that Jericho match last week having beaten Chris Jericho. You know, clearly, you know, the, the story was they were held down by Jericho and they needed, you know, they, they, sh- they should have been pushing on in this tag division and they should have been doing, you know, a lot better things and doing bigger things. First thing you see after they beat the Jericho team is they're in this battle royal and they're just kind of like, yeah, fodder and they don't really matter. And the tag division is... You know, I don't know if the Bucks have still got a heavy hand in, in booking the tag division, but it's about the young Bucks and their feud and what they're doing. And mm. <laughs> it felt it feels a little bit like, oh, maybe Santana Ortiz are never really gonna get a crack because this was one of those moments where I know it's not AW of two years ago where different people are booking different parts of the show, but it felt a bit like that. It felt a bit like, you know, in the Jericho feud, the the, the focus was on Santana Ortiz getting to that next level and being another team, being being a top level team. And then when it comes to the actual tag division and mixing up with the tag teams, nah, that story didn't happen. Nah, they didn't beat Jericho last week. Nah, they're just, you know, the part of the furniture because we've got this this books uh, story to tell instead. Um, seemed a bit odd to me and seemed like a bit of a, a disconnect in the uh, in the booking because, like I say, the tag division is so focused on this convoluted double battle royal situation where all the losers are in another battle royal is all really just to get us to FDR, not to FDR, to get us to Kyle and O'Reilly, O'Reilly and Fish in the books, you know, in a three-way with Jurassic Express for some reason rather than just maybe going a more direct route to that match. Do you know what? Um, what's the focus of this match? Is it the focus of it is can Red Dragon and Young Bucks trust each other? It's not the tag belts. They are incidental. They are really in to use Russo terms, a prop. 
as a device <laughs> for them to be telling their, their story like <laughs> exactly the IWC reigns supreme yeah again <laughs> um as it always does um but it, it does feel like it, i mean it, it's it's not the featured part of of like the story i mean they were just sort of up on the ramp and i agree with you the the idea of santana and ortiz just sort of being dudes in this battle royal really and you could tell that the crowd are behind them because when santana went they were like uh, they were like you have that audible disappointment when some you know someone they like in the battle royal has gone um but i don't really care about this young bucks like kind of red dragon stuff to an extent and the Adam Cole factor and how this ties into ultimately bullet club. And it makes me think of what you're saying uh, the there earlier about yeah, well, it, it's, they're just booking this in like a, um, I phrase, uh, trying to think of the right phrase for it, but it just happens in a vacuum. This one with Cody, yeah, this stuff happened in a vacuum. <laughs> and that's my fear is when I look at this is if you're going, all right, in order to keep you happy, I'm just going to let you book your stuff. And your stuff isn't going to be connected to the rest of the show, but I kind of have to keep you happy. So therefore, this tag feud, yeah, of course you can be in it. We'll have two battle royals. Why am someone going, why are we having two fucking battle royals? What? Why don't we have the Bucks challenge whoever the winners are? Like, why don't they do stuff like that? I mean, there's loads of different things. You don't need this. And it, it's just... I. I think the whole thing is is it doesn't it's not like a drastically undermines the tag division, but it doesn't help. I would argue. I, I don't think it helps progress it, especially when you look at this battle royal. They've got the amount of the tag team depth. Christ, I mean, people yeah. would. I don't think WWF have had that since 1987, and they did it at Survivor Series, and there are ten tag teams involved in that. Yeah, honestly, that, to God. it reminds me of that. Yeah, that sight of yeah. the different twos all together. I'm thinking, oh, they're all of a reasonable that start. Fucking conquistadors in that. Yeah, like who only ever meant anything when Edge and Christian came out. <laughs> really, <laughs> as a kid, I them. thought they were big stars. But yeah, I don't oh, even. Yeah. You know, half foundation bulldogs on the same apron. You know, it was cool. They should do that. Let's do a big um, AW tag Survivor Mate, Series. Survivor match. Series should just be full of that. Someone just needs to go and oh, well, this no, no title matches. We're going to have this, and then we're going to have an ultimate survivors match in the end, like 1990, the way Christ intended and what he died for. Shawn Michaels would have said. It's a, it's a big gimmick for uh, for AW to steal. Let's let's do our own Survivor Series. I want to see that. Steal Royal Rumble while you're at it as well, lads. It'd be better than the Casino Battle Royals and whatever you're, uh, you you insist on doing. But um. oh, yeah, <laughs> this is the uh, this is this is the group of clubs. Couldn't give a shit. Mean anything. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, uh, yeah, but Cody's uh, love of gambling has uh, has got a lot to answer for. But yeah, um, I suppose the other big development on uh, on Dynamite this week. Then moving away from that stuff, um, it is the uh, the small matter of the main event: Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia, which bled into mm. a, a Brian Danielson and, and John Moxley promo. It was another one of the moments, JP, like uh, like all in, where I struggled to enjoy the main event because I was just looking at me watch, watching this live, going, "Lads, there's seven minutes left, and they're gonna do a whole match, uh, and they've got to get a promo at the end. What what are they gonna do?" And I kind of get that. 
I'm, I'm getting like anxious on behalf of the people in the match, thinking like, "Oh God, uh, they're never gonna, they're never gonna get through this." And I shouldn't doubt it because it's Brian Danielson, you know, literally the best wrestler in the world. In there with uh, Daniel Garcia himself, who's uh, no slouch, but did feel a little bit like they had to uh, to rush off the air uh, with the uh, the promo at the end. But I thought it was good stuff all in all. You know, match was very very enjoyable. Uh, but yeah, interested to uh, if we can get uh, Garrett's thoughts on that when he's uh, on the show next week for uh, mm. the Revolution review because I imagine he will have uh, rated this one. Uh, particularly highly um, it was just a you know really good match between a you know a veteran technical wrestler and somebody on the come up who's trying to trying to prove himself and you know trying to get onto a, onto that level and yes maybe you don't buy Daniel Garcia is uh, ever getting anywhere near even a, a sniff of a win against Brian Danielson especially when you know he's been presented as he is and especially you know I think that was probably borne out by the, uh, the the viewership slide at least in overall viewers for uh, for the main events that it you know, maybe the stakes in the match didn't really matter but you know I'm not going to complain when you get a, a match as, as good as this as a as a main event of uh, of dynamite it was a really strong match that uh, I'd probably go 3.75 stars um on the on the grapple app for um that I did like and yeah a fun, fun promo afterwards where you know one thing I will say like we've said that about the TVs maybe they should pull the trigger a little bit more on you know case in point you know top level guys against maybe upper level guys rather than it they're constantly being you know obvious uh, results to, to all of the matches but one other thing I think during the, the pandemic period is even on the pay-per-views it felt like they were maybe shying away a little bit from putting mm. big names against each other you know that's why we never got any of the big cody matches because it felt like they were all being held off for some you know phantom point in future that never actually came with cody like brian moxley why not do it now you know they've given it a little bit of a story it's a nice little match to have to the pay-per-view let's be honest it's not the freshest match in the world because they have worked you know together a lot on the on the mm. wwe side but you know it's still you know it's two guys in a completely different point in their career you know it's a featured singles match between the two of them i suppose is the uh the main mm. thing and it's just yeah a nice little reason for this match to exist that they've, they've told woven this story and that brian wants to team with moxley and who knows how it's going to go in the pay-per-view? Bit of violence, I would expect, and a and a great little match with uh, with some star power on. Uh, I do like uh, this booking and uh, where we've ended up with it. And yeah, it's been a nice little slow burn of a feud. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed this. I mean, I've enjoyed a lot all of the Moxley stuff since he's come back, and this has been a great feud uh, feud to to kind of fit into. In terms of the match itself, I mean, I went three and a half, but it's not a slight on it. And in fact, when I looked at my ratings overall for it, I was like, oh, you know, because most weeks on here, we've ended up giving stuff like kind of four stars, which for TV wrestling, it's as, you know, kind of good as you're going to get. Um, even Joe saw this match when I spoke oh, to him wow. about it at work today. So he watched Danielson versus Garcia and he was like, it's a really good TV match. And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Really good TV match. I mean, he'll love Dan- like, heel Danielson, like old ROH5s and such. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think so. And I think that's when he, when he sees it, he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is actually good stuff. And then, and it's like you say, having them two in a match, it just, what it does is it really strengthens your pay-per-view card. And it's important for them. I mean, we've, you know, one of the things that came out is that All Out did 205,000 buys and 10 million, you know, $10 million in revenue. It's not money to be fucking sniffed at, particularly if your TV deal is only worth 45 million a year for the minute. So that 10, you know, that's 
that's stuff that that's the reason you're signing your Danielson and you're signing your punk is so they sell you those extra few buys. So you get yourself those big kind of numbers where TV companies look at it and they see sold out arenas and think, Oh, this is great. But I think what this does is it adds depth. I think from a storyline perspective, whoever wins, like you could either carry on this storyline with what I kind of expect, which I don't know if people would be a fan of, but the idea of somebody getting involved to cost Moxley the victory and then Danielson ending up with his crew of killers that he takes from other places and rescue Wheeler Uta from best friends so Danhausen can do that shit instead. You know, get Lee Moriarty and, and Daniel Garcia in there with him as well. And and just like, and then do you have Moxley kind of coming after that? But I think either way, even if then you wanted to say, um, you know, move Moxley into or Danielson for sort of going after the title again. I think you can do that. I mean, I think it'd be too soon to do Danielson versus Hangman, but I think if you had Moxley doing that, because I don't think this is a company that's frightened to do face versus face at all, because I think they they quite enjoy doing it. And I think that, you know, so I think there's some, like this is quite often we say the matches don't have stakes. This one feels like it kind of does. There's stuff for like interesting future directions to kind of work on it. It's not gone too overblown. It's not them saying they need to kill each other. The way they're setting up is just like, you know, before I team with you, I need to bleed with you first, you know, and all of these kind of things. So I expect there to be some some kind of bells and whistles stuff that they wouldn't have uh, maybe, maybe done before. But I'm expecting kind of really good things from this. I don't know, maybe it was just me, but the match against Miro, and I think it might have been the sort of like muddled nature of it, the fact that Miro was has been carrying an injury for a while that I was somewhat, I was a little bit disappointed. I think of all of the big kind of Danielson yeah. matches, the one against Miro feels like the one that's that time too. Yeah. He was on a great run. And we were like, why is this happening? And I think ultimately the, the problem with Miro is injury problems. It always feels like I'm talking into football. I was going to go straight into football to talk about players with like consistent injury problems. And, and, he, like, and then- uh, he's not, he's not Darren Anderson. No, I'm trying to think of that. Would that be Ahmed Johnson or someone like that? <laughs> no, really? Yeah. <laughs> Darren Ahmed Johnson. Um, uh, Who's me, brother? Go on, there must be oh, a soccer player. Oh, who's always injured? Oh, God. Oh, there's been a few. Little, little things um, every now and then. Smith Rowe fucked my fancy team this week with his fucking cold illness. or whatever he had. Arsehole. Not even COVID. Well, I mean, Not a that illness. Wolves game didn't help me out in any way, shape or form because it was like the likes of Pepe. Well, I had Lacazette actually in my draft team. I'll get my ask handed to me by Andy this week unless like, well, a load of my players aren't fucking playing at the minute. That doesn't help when you've got half the team out and you and you out of spite, you don't want to sell Saka. Anyway, I've got completely distracted away from <laughs> Brian Daniels and John Moxley. Will Smith which I think will be back next week, JP? Should I sell him or not? Just, just quickly. I think he will be back in next week. Or if it'll be, be certain, like he'll be there. He, yeah, expect Pepe maybe to start, but I'm sure I've said that before as well. Anyway, apologies to the Americans. But carry on. Yeah, buy some beer off us. No, I think I think it'll be a really good match. I think. Yeah. I, <laughs> what a what a great profound statement that was <laughs> at the end of all. John Moxley and Brad Dennis will be all right, won't it? <laughs> I, I think they'll have a good match, but I, I mean, There's I think what is, they. But it's like you've mentioned yeah. before; they've the pacing of it has been really good. And the pacing of like the kind of promos um, that they delivered, the way that they delivered them as well. And they haven't gone into over, I now hate you, I hate you kind of standard heel face dynamic. They've not done that. 
not everything has to be that, does it? You know, like we can, you know, we forget sometimes, you know, wrestling, you know, we try and tell these interesting stories and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just an excuse to book matches. You know, they want, they want to put Danielson Moxley on the pay-per-view. Are we going to get there? Okay, let's do it this way. And they've done it in a bit of a different way than the other feuds on the show. And it's probably going to all explode on the pay-per-view and, like I say, get a bit bloody and get a bit violent and none of us really know where it's going next. Are they actually going to be a team? Mm. Do they just then become, like, blood rivals? Like, it's really exciting, you know? And it's a, it's a nice star-laden match to uh, to add to your pay-per-view and, you know, can maybe squeeze a, a few more buys out of it. But, yeah, I was going to say, before we uh, we move on to, uh, to other TV matters, um, yeah, so those are the other highlights and, and lowlights from this week's Dynamite. I've I can't let this conversation go without talking about the uh, the House of Black versus uh, Penta and uh, and the Forgotten Man Pack. Um, I mean, yeah, you nailed it with House of Black earlier and the you know the weird Buddy Matthews. You know, did they really have to do it? Oh, Willie won't he? Type of thing, whether he was going to join them or not. Although I do appreciate that in AEW. The outside world does exist, and apparently, for the people who watch SmackDown, they paid off a, a story between Buddy Matthews and and, uh, and Malachi Black, which I genuinely didn't even realize when the angle took place on Dynamite. But I've subsequently read and kind of enjoy that, you know, playing, you know, including all of that as law. You know, the wrestling world uh, outside of AEW continues to exist, and I think that's a always a, mm. a commendable thing. What I fucking hated though, like. <laughs> I used to love Pentagon. <laughs> I think I'm done with him. Oh. <laughs> like him coming out here in his fucking. Man. I mean, it was a fun entrance, and he looked cool. And then he got in the ring, and he just wrestled like Pentagon again. You know, it was hardly Pentagon dark from Lucha Underground days. This stuff, it was. I mean, I, a, this fucking. I mean, I've got. I've got to say, like, and I feel like, you know, as a as a methods board poster, I can't help but bring up when I was right 18 months ago. But to tell you about a time I was right 18 months ago, JP, like when everybody was really high about Alex Alejandres or whatever his name is, you know, getting involved with Pentagon teaming. Abra- there you go, Abrahantes. I don't care. But when he got involved with him, it's like, oh, isn't it funny? Oh, isn't it a funny little thing he does when he does Penta says? And it's like, yeah, it's funny. But it doesn't mean it's a good idea. And I think that's like, that's a lesson to learn in wrestling sometimes. That yes, you can get your little laugh, and yeah, it, it you know they, they were quite humorous those early segments, but now the how's the cunt still hanging around with them at this point? Like he looks like a spare part, bad enough most weeks, but having him come out here with Pentagon dressed like he looked like a fourteen-year-old who's too old to go trick or treating anymore, out with his yeah. mates dressed as Dracula. That's what he looked like. Like it yeah. was like, ah, what am I gonna do? Ah, I still want to go trick or treating, but I'm a bit old. Fuck it, I'll paint my face and I'll put a cloak on. I'll put some fangs in. Oh. I'm Dracula. Like, what is? Tell me, JP. What is the logical explanation? I can understand Pentagon's gone dark. You know, he's been turned that way because of what happened with you know in the past with Malachi Black, and you know he wants to delve into this deep dark place and come back and you know be an equal to them. You know, despite how we ended up wrestling in, in the ring, what's the Alex Abrahentes story like? Like in kayfabe, what happened? He was like, "Oh, you're wearing black now. Well, I guess I'll buy a Halloween costume then, and I'll be creepy too." Like, there's no explanation for why he was dressed like that and following out and and so into the story. It's just ah, uh, like. Sell by date on that bloke was two years. Was whenever the, the, the started it, two years ago, eighteen months ago, six months ago, whenever it was, it needed to stop week one. Sorry, rant over. Um, he was quite a good backstage. 
actually for that. No, I, I, I kind of got, I just thought, oh, Eric Bischoff's back in Halloween Havoc 91 mode. That's going in the show. Of it just- <laughs> that's kind of what I was reminded by was, was that him, him, him interviewing Rick Rude. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, I hate this. One thing I'm getting sick of, and you mentioned over there, this is a real trope of wrestling in recent months of, Oh, I need to read us like, and even I have to say, we're giving it a lot of praise in terms of Moxley and Danielson. Even they straddle this line sometimes of you need to get violent, you need to do this. It's like, or keep your thoughts to yourself, and maybe don't dress like a like a terrible emo, like in order to show that you've gone dark. It, it's yeah, it the only dark version of Pentagon I'm interested in seeing is the one from Lucha Underground. They appeared to get it right. That was the last time they kind of got like, kind of like what was a dark Pentagon there. Cause it made him seem really violent. Yeah. We've seen the fucker without a mask on, mate. Like, you know, he doesn't see him. He doesn't look like a violence lad. That's all. Happy go lucky Mexican fella in Germany. Um, anyway, <laughs> die great. Yeah, exactly. But you just thought, oh, he's breaking up. He's broken Io Shirai's arm here. In, in a random stardom women versus Pentagon Junior match. In, in, um, it, it, anyway, I digress. We're reviewing it's that one day, by the and way. That's up. Kind of needs to go like this idea of going back. Oh, Lucha Underground. Oh, yeah. Month one of that would be interesting. Oh, hell That'd yeah. be fucking wild. Mm. Um, but it feels, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just pack again. And you just think, I don't know. I mean, I know there were travel issues and stuff. He's still wandering around as if he's blind. Is that right? Is that still a, you know, there's, there's still so. like remnants of other angles, which are kind of like slightly nonsensical. I could be getting that completely wrong. and just imagine him be wearing a blindfold. Kind of just got used to him wearing it. But he was the guy who was having these great matches. Beat Kenny Omega, you know, having great, had that great um, Iron Man match against Kenny Omega as well. Like you'd argue, oh, a mate, you know, outside the tag match, his best match on pay per view, and he just feels completely wasted on it. This death triangle, just break it up. Put Phoenix as a lucha singles babyface star. Have his brother do go back into the arm breaker. I'm not saying get Vampiro in. I'm completely lost the plot, but just have him go into lucha underground mode, and have Pack wrestle really great fucking matches, and at some point. And like, you know, and this is probably more in that, I always thought they missed a trick during that pay-per-view era, like with Kenny Omega. It was like, you could go to Omega pack. Yeah, we kind of know what the result will be, but it'd be a great match. But instead they went with like Orange Cassidy and whoever the other person was. I can't even remember now at this point when they had the, the three. Oh, it was pack, wasn't it? It was like, no, just have pack. Get rid of fucking Orange Cassidy. Just have a match between them two because you've already got an inbuilt storyline on it, but it feels like they're wasting it with him. And I don't know if there's things like travel stuff has kind of meant there's been a slight delay on like them wanting to kind of like pull the trigger on there, but it, I don't quite, you know, I just think there's so many better ways to use them. They're just using Pack as a tag wrestler, frankly. A bit odd. Um, mm. But yeah, um, I suppose uh, moving on, we should talk a, a little bit of a uh, bit of rampage as well, um, and we can do some clean up if there's anything else you wanna yeah, wanna yeah, mention yeah. from uh, from Dynamite. I mean, yeah, it sounds like you were higher than me on this uh, on this rampage uh, show this week. I don't well, know. I felt a bit inconsequential to me. Just felt yeah, matches for matches' sake. You know, like I say, we can make the point. Pre-take rampage, you know. 
yeah, I mean, we can make the point that AW doesn't have the time, you know, for to to get everyone on the cards, but they do have this hour, you know, on Fridays. So you know, we do need to uh, give some uh, some some matches too, and give some. And it is that constant battle of well, you don't want to give too much away because half the people who watch Dynamite are watching it, but also you know you want to you don't want to completely chase viewers away, so you want to give people reason to tune into it uh it every week yeah i've got a complicated relationship with rampage right now i think sums it up in that mm. yeah you know uh there are weeks like this where i watch it i'm just kind of nonplussed um coming out of it really um yeah it was a show that happened that i threw on on saturday morning and didn't really think about again for the uh the rest of the day i was much more uh focused on my fancy football team on saturday afternoon it yeah any particular notes for you from uh, from from this week's show? Well, I generally disagree. I mean, I made it sound like I loved Rampage. I, I really didn't. Like, I mean, I always think the clue is how many times do I hear the "This is Rampage" theme tune because <laughs> I'm not paying that much attention. So it's gone into the ad break, <laughs> and I'm doing other things like clearing out the dishwasher, and all I can hear is da 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 on a loop, as you do. I think most times that, that'll haunt you in your sleep. Until but, I got 30 minutes in and I, I have to mute it because Jericho's pissed me off too much, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I got a, a couple of little, very small things. I enjoyed Wardlow versus Nick Camarato. Just like for kind of what it was and kind of like your big, like, Hoss match. I thought that was that was quite fun. Um, I like the kind of kip up. It, you know, it was... Comorado is not really anywhere near ready and he's the kind of epitome of the kind of person that they, if they're having around, his job is primarily going to be doing the dark, dark elevation, have him go out in the indies and get a few shots on there as well so he can kind of, I mean, he's got fucking size, he's got hair, that is something he isn't worried about um, <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's there on fucking mass, isn't it? Um <laughs> Outside of that, like I thought, like the opener with like Sammy Guevara and Andrade. I mean, ultimately, it's there to set up a nonsense throwaway six man at the pay per view, which feels like there's a reason to get people on. Every time I watch it though, and I see Matt Hardy on there, all I keep on doing is I'm looking for clues at how they're going to turn him babyface when they bring in Jeff. So it feels like Andrade will take over the Hardy family office and that'll be his stable for it. Why is that important? Who cares? Break him up. But that is fun. <laughs> I know. I know. Why do we need seven but, segments a week to, to get to this point? Just fucking bring Jeff Hardy in. I, no one cares what happened. Hardy family office went back to the home planet. Done. Like, who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that really is it. And it's... And how much are you going to get out of this Hardy Boys run anyway? Six months? I mean, you'll pop some numbers, surprisingly, yeah. because that's oh, what Jeff it. Hardy does. There's a star value in them. Yeah, there is a star value. It makes good sense from a business perspective. It's not stuff that I'm interested in. I mean, we saw plenty of the Bucks versus Hardys, and particularly it all sort of culminated that Ring of Honor match, which then they went to Mania the next day after that brutal ladder match, wasn't really? it? And it was like, Jesus fucking insane. And then they were wrestling at Mania and won the tag belts like the next day. Really, since then, I mean, it, it's it's just kind of tedious as much as anything. But if anything, it sounds like it should be on the pre-show, which if you're like Andrade, and you're talking about the fan, you know, bringing them in. This is the guy who could be a main event. He doesn't feel like it's going to be a main event, does he? Like, doesn't feel like how they would work him into the scene. Doesn't feel like, you know, and trust me, there's stuff I've enjoyed with the Darby Allen stuff on there as well. But 
yeah, it's just there to set up the nonsense. Sick, sick man. I do hope they announce Hook versus QT Marshall on the pre-show. That's a perfect pre-show match. You know what? I say nothing happened on Rampage. That was enjoyable. Um, that was good. QT, you like, yeah, he could be, uh, you know, not having his biggest back of Cody around anymore. You know, you wouldn't have either been in trouble, but I think he's so tied into the aesthetic of things now and the yeah. and the training and stuff. He's uh, he's gonna have a job for life, and this is a good uh, good use of him. You know, having talk yeah. trash and then his students get beat up and hook uh, me mugging him and work it off. I did enjoy that. That was like a highlight of the show for me uh, I, I, you know the Serena Deep uh, five minute challenge stuff you know get that on TV every week I think it's worthwhile while doing whether it's Rampage um, or Dynamite I think what they're doing at the pay-per-view and it kind of leads into the other thing in terms of like the the angle with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker and had Mercedes Martinez come out and, and the rest of it I think Thunder Rosa is beating, beating Britt Baker and I think you kind of for me you need to do it a couple of reasons one you've got your ready-made challenger in Serena Deeb and it'll be a good match. Mm. Also, then I think then you get to Deeb versus Baker. And at that point, you need to perhaps, you know, pull the trigger on Jamie Hayter kind of leaving Britt Baker, whether that's a heel turn or anything else there that that happens. But I just think this Britt Baker is heel dynamic. I just think it's, it's not worked. She she was a face. When she won the title, she hugged Tony Giovanni on the stage. She was a face. And people had wanted to see it when she beat Akara Shida. And yet at times they've done actively the thing that WWE would do, which is like, no, she's a heel. So we're going to go down this direction. It's like, she really isn't. The crowd wants to cheer her. They want to cheer her massively, but you're going to have them come out some week and do bad jokes about sports teams instead. That kind of nonsense. And, and I think it's there's better heel challenges for Thunder Rosa than what there is um, in terms of um, baby faces for Britt Baker to to beat. And the main event was exactly what you'd expect. It was Orange Cassidy and fucking Anthony Bowens. It was... Yeah, I think... Yeah. I mean, on the Britt Baker thing, I think the issue is maybe when they... When they when she got caught fire, they just turned her from face to heel. Mm. So they couldn't really turn her back because the reason people were into her was because of the new heel persona. But it does cause problems, you know. It's not unlike Adam Cole, ironically, in that you know she is going to be the the more cheered of the other two, and there's always that danger of whoever she's uh, in there with, unless you build them well enough. Um, but yeah, just quickly on, on the main event, yeah, I think mainly I was just uh, gold that they were cowards. Did you notice the uh, the cutout? Uh, Max Caster's uh, apparently had a line about Putin in the uh, <laughs> in his rap. No, yeah, when when he when they're making their way to the ring, they've literally cut in one bar in, so it looks like he started at a weird point on his rap, and then his rap lasts about five seconds. That's why, and that's why afterwards they had um, Jericho and Taz going, Oof, that was a. That was a controversial one. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Not on TV because they cut it. Um, so, what did yeah. he say? I can't remember what it was. It was something about. Well, I've got to look like, this up now. Yeah, You've see, said if you, that. see if you can find the exact line. But yeah, that was a, a disappointment, really. But yeah, it was a match. It existed. Going a lot of different ways in there. Here it is. <laughs> Um, yeah. Like it could be some crazy socio-political context on there. Um, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was something quite, uh, quite bold. It's what he does. He's a bat. He's a fucking battle rapper. It's like when the controversy kicked off about him. I mean, I know what he said was bad, but <sighs> put a battle rapper in your show. He's going to say stuff like this, you know. Um, it is an issue. Here it is. But, but go on, what do you say? 
fighting the acclaimed, you've got to be stupid. This guy's as popular as Vladimir Putin, which is <laughs> terrible grammar. <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? Uh, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe not. Of all the yeah. things that heels could say involving Vladimir Putin in all his games <laughs> and cheap heat, vanilla, there's a lot worse directions that he could go in, isn't there? But, um, yeah, you're probably better off. Just cut it off. But let him still say it for the live crowd. So you've got that, you've still got that kind of appeal, I think. It's not that fucking, like, no, this is not the hill to die on in terms (laughs) of, like, kind of getting up. But that's just me. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's. It, I just think it's it's one of these things where I just like stay. They're just going to be like this. Stay away from it. Yeah, probably, probably. No, you know, like it was a main event. I like Bowens and Caster as kind of you know mm-hmm. the, uh, the heels who, who can get beat. Um, they they fit a, a certain role in the roster. Not unlike you know Daniel Garcia and the uh, the two point lads. It's kind of what they what they are uh, are there to do. But it did feel like a bit of a a weak main event, uh, or at least last match on Rampage because it's not always the the main event there. The last match on Rampage, but mm. yeah, all in all, I did feel like it was a bit of a, a forgettable show, but yeah, obviously, uh, when it comes to uh, our weekend show, which we'll be uh, recording live, should be Thursday night uh, to be confirmed, uh, about nine o'clock, uh, free for all on the uh, on the Grapple YouTube with uh, our patrons. Ooh, yeah. We'll get the uh, the pre show, uh, bon- uh, the bonus post show, they'll also get a uh, their comments will be up in light uh, on the screen as well. But we will uh, make a, a channel available with it being a big AW pay per view weekend for uh, people. To uh, to come and watch on uh, on YouTube and maybe having a uh, patron uh, patronized before or, or seen a a weekend show before. But like I say, we'll be going through the the uh, the Revolution card in uh, in quite a quite a lot of detail there, and maybe getting a, a quick mm-hmm. viewing of uh, the next episode of Dynamite. But yeah, um, before that point, anything else from uh, AW you want to mention, JP? Anything there? Anything no, else I think we've gone into loads of stuff on there. Really. There you go. So gone all over the shop. We've been actually kind of like really on it for like a good fucking two hours now at this point. <laughs> Thorough wrestling from the start of this show. Hey, for people for people who, who think, you know, we we hate we we criticize AEW too much or we have a go. I mean, we are basically AEW Mecca at this point. The amount yeah. of airspace we give to AEW as far oh as Oh my uh, god. I mean it's the most interesting thing happening in wrestling, isn't it? Outside of um you yeah, know, control the narrative t shirts, which uh, again you can capture now. Or pro wrestling Noah. <laughs> that's it that's it obviously which we'll get to but yeah what mm. what do you want to hit next jp we've got a bit of a, a smorgasbord of uh of topics to uh to uh, to possibly well, hit a quick fire you know mlw tv impact tv bit of beyond bit of gcw bit of nowhere even as you as you mentioned bit of stardom bit of stardom even. too we'll throw that even throw these together. well they're like individual matches i should mm. say not entire shows I, I i think we've got to talk about microman <laughs> We will. Of all the TV that's happened this week, JP, I think, yeah, MLW is probably the only uh, thing. I got a message from JP to uh, everyone tonight that uh, <laughs> I don't know if to repeat how much you uh, you particularly enjoyed this episode of uh, MLW TV. Oh. I shocked you on Thursday, on uh, Friday, JP. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, doing my homework for months. I had, uh, to be honest, on my Chromecast when I throw the telly on, it just kind of it, it started like suggesting. MLW TV to me as a as something I should watch. It also suggested to me uh, Jericho's uh, Winnipeg's show, which uh, it listed uh, under uh, under comedy on YouTube as uh, as things I uh, should check out if I fancy a, 
a bit of a laugh. I don't but, even um, know what that is, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> I've seen a few episodes. It's actually all right. But uh, yeah, it's just strange. It came up in, uh, in comedy. But yeah, it keeps putting... Uh, I don't know whether it's you, mate. You, you and Core Power have a word with the YouTube overlords. But uh, MLW gets pride to place on my Chromecast. Now, every time I turn it on, it's uh, suggesting on the YouTube be, that, I, uh, that I should watch it. And Yeah, I've, I went for it this week, mate. And yeah, wow. <laughs> as you said to me privately today, there was uh, a lot of enjoyment to be had out of that uh, first uh, 20 minutes of that show this week. Mate, you completely undersold me on, like, you explained it to me on the weekend show. And I was like, mm, okay, just sounds like he's brought in a mini. I don't quite see what he's <laughs> going on about here. I wasn't quite prepared for Microman. Now, I might be being completely ignorant and, you know, I'll dive into Lucha when it comes to those odd kind of shows. I'm aware of that little bloke in CMLL. I can't remember. He's one he dressed up like a teddy bear. He took a horrific bump once before. Well, I was fully prepared to hate this match when you looked at who the participants was and a very ropey start, frankly, between Eris and Aramis, where it looked like there was a lot of stuff that wasn't connecting and the rest of it. From the moment Microman is, and I don't think we can understate this enough, I've seen Minis matches before. I don't think I've genuinely seen someone as small as Microman. He... <laughs> Mate, he doesn't even reach these boys' fucking hips. He's like, they're going like a metre tall. And it's the moment he just took a fucking punt to the face. And Jesus, I laughed. And I felt bad. But then he took See, I another bump. I that on air, but you say it yourself, so go on. Oh, I fucking pissed myself. Like, and I thought, am I bad? Am I a really bad person? He's a wrestler. He's wanting to take the bump. True. Jesus. Every time he did it, I laughed. Now, I should say this by like he was brought out as a, there'd been an angle with um, Mr. Saint Laurent, like over he's bringing in this kind of like world superstar. And in some ways, this is a fitting payoff for it, like this guy, because the crowd fucking loved him. And yeah, there's a lot of convoluted him having to be helped up by wrestlers to deliver moves on them and stuff like this is constantly going on. But it was mental because he. He's the like I kept on thinking, were my boys when they were toddlers taller than him? And I'm <laughs> like, like my eldest is like six foot three. So I'm thinking there's a good chance that was the case. But he just kind of looks like he looks like a it looks like a, you're beating up a teddy bear when he's taking bumps. Yeah. It's a teddy bear with a lucha mask on. And yes. then he would do these moves. <sighs> and then they worked it into, because he pins Gino Medina, and then they work it into a Gino Medina storyline, which I do have to say, I went in there thinking, well, Gino Medina will be dog shit and he'll be blowing everything. He was not the worst thing in this match. I put my rating up. I'm going three stars on this because I fucking enjoyed it. I really, really, really fucking enjoyed this match. It gets everything that is kind of right and good. Like, you know... If I'm thinking of this match and I'm thinking of Danielson Garcia, there's a part of me going, well, I, I'd kind of put this one on again because I don't know if anything viscerally will get the reaction from when he takes <laughs> that first pump kick and he goes fucking, f like he just flying. He thought, oh my God, he's killed him. Like and he the, just uh... start like, laughing away. And you can see people in the audience like kind of laughing and looking shocked. And then when he starts doing offense, they're well into him. Like the little when the little girl Micromat, gets killed, 
It's when the little girl gets killed and gone with the wind. That's what it's like. Like she gets punted off the screen. Like which shouldn't be funny, but it, it really is. Like it's. I, but to say I oh, go back and forth. It's like I said to you on, on Friday when we talked about it briefly. Like I just I enjoyed it, and you know there were some funny spots and. But then there's moments where he's quite so clearly struggling to get up to the top rope or the second rope or wherever he needs to do his next spot from. And like you say, he needs a bit of a hand. He can walk at times. Ah, oh, there's moments where you're just like, you've taken far too many of these bumps, clearly, because it's almost kind of, you're watching it going, is this is this a, what abuse looks like? Because I don't know, like, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, he's getting paid and I'm sure he, he's happy to be there. Who am I? To fight Microman's battles for him, he seems uh, <laughs> seems quite happy with his uh, with his lot in life. But fuck me, does he take a beat? I mean, the presentation oh. was you know good. I will admit, like you know him coming out and like MSL who you know, Mr. Saint Laurent who you know I'm waiting to get cancelled any moment. He's a, oh yeah. Anyone ever listened to the old MLW podcast? He's a creepy fucker, and you know I'm not going to endorse him as a human being. I don't think. Um, but I will say on commentary and as like the manager type, um, he kind of did a, you know, an entertaining job about raving about like, it was like he had the rock. It was like he had the yeah. you know, John Cena had turned up on MOW TV, you know, for all the build they did. And then for it to be micro man, it was, it was entertaining and well done. I've got to say. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're right. He wasn't the worst thing in the match. Cause you know, the worst thing in the match by a country mile was RS and Aramis just, you know, played wrestling and, you know, literally they were awful. doing a, doing a few little dance numbers between the two. Of them. Like I'm not yeah. that guy. I'm about, I'm going to talk about some GCW later. You know, I'm not, I'm not that arsed about wrestling looking choreographed, but my God, does it look choreographed when, when them two oh, decide when they're gonna... out, on the, out on the ramp and stuff. Oh, like they were doing work, well, moving in slow motion, like on the ramp. What the fuck were they doing? It like, it was like their ideas are bigger than what they can actually pull off, is yeah. what it felt like. And I've seen them do better, better matches than this yep. in GCW and in other places in MLW even. But there are times where like their stuff just doesn't work, and this was a match where it didn't work. But it didn't matter. Yeah. Mike Roman was in there; he was the star, and that's all it was about. He was. I thought El Dragon to give him a shout as well. I don't know who he is. He's probably some local lad under under a mask. But I mean, like I thought. It noticeably picked up. Yeah, I, I mean, Aras and Aramis were like some of the few lone spots of GCW's WrestleMania weekend last year. That's true. Give some of the that. lone high spots. And here, like, uh, Aramis in particular felt like the weakest thing in this match, and that's including Microman. Even Mini Bismo Negro was, like, a lot more fucking a- active than he was. I thought Gina Medina was shockingly all right. I'm not going to go as far as good. That's a strong word. But I thought he was all right. You have a complicated relationship with Gina Medina. Mate. I, well, I wouldn't say it's complicated in the sense that he appears on my TV and I tend to hate whatever the output is. <laughs> but this time, he was he, he looked like he was getting... His timing was more on. I mean, it looks like they're doing something with him angle-wise. Mm. It's a ballsy move to have him get pinned by Microman which is one step above Spud getting pinned by Matt Hardy's baby. Like, <laughs> which like, he sold well, then, as Spud always does. And then he gets, he beats up, he beats up Aramis and they did a thing with blood on his hands and the rest of it is he getting dragged off. I'm surprised he wasn't interviewed by that annoying prick, Emilio, who kept on turning up on the show, just looking back. to get beaten up, frankly, wasn't he? That was a... Super producer. Yeah. Yeah. The new uh, Alicia Atout 
<laughs> who we also saw on this show yeah there was a lot of uh segments uh with her and uh yeah the whole uh heel turn um stuff. richard holiday with richard holiday they've done yeah um i don't know i mean you could tell me what what are your highlights of the show otherwise i mean yeah there was some fallout from that they had the uh what what's um dario cueto's name in uh in mlw now um those those seg- oh cesar duran yeah, I don't know if they really work for me. Like, it's a good idea. It's, yeah. that's the, I watch MLW, and I know we take the piss out of you for, for wanting to talk about it. And this was, a you know, an entertaining hour show. It is, in a lot of ways, when I, when I go on this podcast and go, well, what I would do is, a lot of MLW is what I would do. <laughs> I kind of think, oh, maybe I should shut the fuck up about what I would do then, because I don't, clearly don't know what I'm Ooh. talking about. Because they, 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 they do, like, you know, they... Well, well, how can we be different? Well, you know, we'll bring in a lot of young talent. We'll, you know, bring in a lot of lucha guys. Mm. Oh, we'll bring back the lucha underground concept, for example. You know, we'll we we will make lemons. You know, we'll bring in Davy Richards. We'll, you know, I can imagine myself yeah. doing every one of those ideas because that's the thing. MLW is a big fucking hot pot scouse of like just mixed up <laughs> ingredients like that's why it's called fusion isn't it like it is literally just yeah. a million ideas thrown in one pot mix it around go there you go you want some microman you want some serious davy richards you want some you know jacob fatu on the streets to play and make a difference fatu you get that too like this you know you want you, you want a bit of like you know hip-hop music uh, bled into this you want a little bit of like you know uh, high high production value like kind of backstage segments on streets and in interesting locations they have a lot of fresh ideas and they throw them all in this big melting pot. Unfortunately, they just don't all work, you know? And I think yeah. I think Lucha Underground trying to revive that is kind of one of them. Like, uh, as a big fan of the original series, like, that got my interest. And then I'm not sure where it works in the TV. I'm not sure these segments nah. really work. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that on, uh, on MLW TV each week. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's loads of that on MLW each week. I mean, I did find Stephen Yu. It's not just the earplugs. <laughs> Something called Zantac, which I no Zantax, not Xanax, Zantax. And apparently, you've been taking that. You're in this shit as well, so you need to get on to him about that because apparently he's the only person dealing with that. And that profound earplug thing, which seems to have been a much bigger issue than either you or I could ever have expected because it requires an advert every single fucking week in order to see it. And it comes up in the strangest places, like during a Microman match. It's just suddenly <laughs> Stephen Yu appears and starts talking about it. Um, in some ways, yeah, this is like, this episode is like an encapsulation of what MLW is. And I think sometimes we need to take into consideration how it's effectively taped. Really, this is just a house show split into four weeks of TV. That's what they do. They've got two shows set up over in the Dallas weekend, like one of their sort of feature events, Intimidation Games, and they somehow drag it out. And it means that each week, it's kind of like what New Japan Strong do, really. It's just that each week, there's that one kind of featured match where like next week it's Alex Kane versus Calvin Tankman, which they had a series of like competing promos kind of building both of those guys up. Then you fresh names at this level. I mean, Calvin Tankman, we're obviously a lot more familiar with. I know um, Alex Kane is someone who Eddie Sideburns and chaps in particular got kind of big raps on. And you just think it's worthwhile. It's like EJ and Duca. He's raw. He's really green. However, Which one's that what have you really got thing? to lose by going with him? Really, in the scheme of things, like he's 
is like he's yours and you've got whatever you can do to mold this guy for the period of time that you have him until a WWE takes a look at him and go, hang on a minute. He's no, certainly no worse than what else we've, we've got there at the moment. And he'll learn a bit of like TV on the job properly by doing this as valuable experience. The likes of an EJ and Duca are kind of getting. But to what end? Like, what's the point? <laughs> I, watch I, think, and I, go, well, I have a laugh and I go, well, well why are they bothering? Like, are they going to make the millions of, is there really in the world for this extra hour of TV every week when there's so much other stuff? Well, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've dreamt this, mate, but there's a part like, it's almost like I think the way they raise money is they use hedge fund pots, which are how things like some MMA promotions like the PFL are funded. And I think they use that and they kind of leverage off the fact of, look, wrestling gets these massive TV ratings deals. We're only one step away. It's very Del Boy, isn't it? This time next year, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be billionaires, is what Court Bauer tells whoever his version of Rodney is. In um <laughs> in MLW, um I don't know Rich Bikini or whatever, um <laughs> but it's right. Dave. It is like to what end? I think that's it. I think it's the golden goose of a television contract because they they'll see certainly next year that there'll be a lot of heat in terms of what what happens with the TV contracts when they're up, what are they going to both be offered? Is WWE's deal going to go down? Are they going to manage to improve it? Knowing them, they'll probably manage to improve it somehow. And as a, like, as a result, I think that's just what they hold on to. They've managed to get enough funding to do this. They, they have shows in front of crowd. They put out a television product that's ultimately, it, it's very low maintenance. Like it's not something that's requiring like a ton of emotional investment and stuff like that in there. There's storylines, you know, the dynasty storyline, something I've been following since ever since they've started it. And you could kind of see that this is what their aim. If nothing else, it's just, if you want to view it as a place where really young green talent can go and work TV, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just that the quality of wrestling, like I've given three stars to match an MLW. That is the exception and not the norm. That's the big kind of proviso in all of this. I don't know what your thoughts were on the main event as well. ISIS implodes. Mads Kruger versus Jacob Fatu. Told you during the weekend show, like I got to that point. I, th- I didn't realize, I thought I was off. That shows you how much I was enjoying the, the Microman stuff. I thought that was like 10 minutes of the show and it turned out to be like 25 minutes of it. So I thought Mate, that yeah, was, it was I didn't realize loads. the show was about to end. Yeah. I, I can't, I mean, Jacob Fatu, look, that Jacob Fatu theme song is a pretty good theme song. It's not Natural Born Killers by Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. I can't listen to that on repeat for 15 minutes for your main event You're while right. we brawl around. Sounds like a lad having it sounds like a lad who's fucking yawning while having a shit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. This theme music. So I think I finished it, but <laughs> I've got to be honest. I just don't want to MLW as I'm out of it. Um so maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Um should I have? Kruger was better. He did he did a like a plancher over the top rope, mm. which I didn't see coming. He did a couple of decent moves, but ultimately he the way that he's booked as well, and I know other people have seen him in the indies where he does show some demonstrations of wrestling. It 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 was kind of like your standard brawl and then Jacob Fatu sneaks the victory. 
like ultimately in order to keep him kind of strong. And then he throws Iru Kwan in there as well. But it feels like Contra's dead, mate. Like it feels oh, no. like ISIS. I in this version of the world, ISIS has been very much defeated um, with remarkable ease. I might add, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it, it was a standard kind of bells and whistles, everything to kind of avoid like real wrestling. Um, ultimately, babyface Fatu to the you know I don't think he'd be the maybe he'll be the one to defeat Alex Hammerstone and be back. I think. He's a better champion than Hammerstone, if you're going to be honest. I'm probably yeah. as high on Alex Hammerstone as everyone is anyone is going to likely be. If Your boy to, Hammer. You've got to the point of like Jacob Fasu has to be like a babyface now to do something fresh with him. And he's like, like I say, make a difference, Fatu in it up on the streets and stuff. Yeah. Does that not say that maybe he's out? I don't know. Was make a difference, Fatu having a fag and a fucking bottle of whiskey? Because that seemed pretty bleak to me. <laughs> I don't know when he used to sh- show his segments on Shotgun. He had those uh, threatening Samoa Samoan blokes trying to uh, trying to like cause him trouble, like the gang violence stuff. They they sent it all off the uh, the shotguns that I used to watch on Saturday mornings on Sky One. So yeah, I don't know if I, uh, I ever quite saw it. So might have for all I knew. But do you not think like? <sighs> You know, that's the downside, isn't it? Of like, why is he signed to a long time MLW deal? Like, surely he's, he's done his MLW run now. Come on, let's go do something else. Like, I just don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like awkward that, like, he's just, you know, mm. through loyalty to he- MLW is still there when you could probably see him taking on a bit more of the uh, the wrestling world, you know? The only other place we ever seem to see him is GCW. Yeah. Where you're never quite sure if he's factored into their storylines or not. He appears on a kind of semi regular basis. He had the he was involved in the tag match, wasn't he, at the weekend, him and Juicy for now versus the Briscoes. So it suggests they do see value in him. I mean an impact would probably be like the the likes of it. But really it's it's probably gonna be a GCW where he might be a slightly better fit because he, he loves to swear. So he's not necessarily going to be great for TV. He just loves doing that in a match or turning around and swearing. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like his run is kind of done and over. He's had the title, you know, it's not a company that does face versus face, is it really? It works in kind of classic pro wrestling heel face dynamic. So where do you go with him? That is the question. But I'm sure Cole Bauer and MSL and the geniuses behind MLW will have an answer. Uh, yeah, any other notes on uh, MLW? Wanna, wanna geek out Bloody good fun. Man? Watch Microman. Just watch it. It is a lot. Are we wrong? Are we just bad people? Like, that's where I can... I've really asked my... I mean, maybe MLW is more profound than what we think, Benno, because we've both asked ourselves the same question at the end of it. It's like, am I a bad person? <laughs> Which wasn't what I was expecting to come away from watching an episode of MLW. I was thinking I was more watching because I was like, oh, Benno's watched this. Yeah, I should watch it. Hadn't wow. thought about Microman, and that took me by fucking surprise. You know a show that I'll never force you to ask those tough questions, JP, is uh, is Impact Wrestling. I feel like I've been doing your homework for you this week, mate. I you have, to, uh, haven't you? Watch some mate, Impact today as well. JP Zone, MLW and Impact. <laughs> well, you well know, one of our... somebody on the, on, on the Patreon had said actually, I was going to watch say, Impact. Yeah. It looks good. So it was a very. I mean, I'll keep it brief because to be honest, I don't have much to add based on the results we already talked about with with Impact. But like, I do think it was it was a fun reset show. Like it was a really good kind of all right, pay per view's done with now. Let's get going with like some like hotter 
some 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 new stuff. Let's pay off some old stuff, you know. So it had the um, Matt Cardona versus Jordan Grace in the uh, digital media match where it was like they they were using it was a it was a bit in jokey, you know. They were using like um, DVD players as a weapon, and you know there was like there was a. I think Cardona pulled out what looked like a bag of tax and it was a bag of cell phones, playing up the fact that they were wrestling for the stupidly named Digital Media um, Championship. And I said to you, I missed their, their, their match on the pay-per-view, so it was interesting to kind of see them uh, here because you guys had said, no, no, that wasn't a, wasn't actually a, a bad little match. That was fun, you know, fun little like payoff, but a bit different, something you're not going to see on a, on any other uh, wrestling uh, TV show this week. But... The biggest thing I've kind of got to say about it was was you know like we keep we, we keep saying about impact pay attention I think impact are you know slowly bleeding in higher level talent than they've had in years and you know like AEW is going to have to do dropping some of the lesser people and some of the good people too unfortunately you know Josh Alexander not being around is a is a negative but the water level is definitely rising you know when it comes to the talent that they're using you know the fact that like a Jonah is relatively fresh and unique to impact you know he's a he's a good little talent to, to have well not even a little mm-hmm. big talent to, to have on your shows you know all the you know the honor no more stable you know i have mixed feelings on maybe a matt taven but you know mike bennett can, can offer something you know kerry king's in in the mix with them add that to you know your existing guys like your rich ones and your you know your willie max of the world and they've got a decent roster and i will say mm-hmm. as well you know the stuff i did enjoy on the show did surround moose and you know people have you you nailed it you know with him people have got strong opinions on on moose and you know his uh his, his past um and the allegations uh against him um mm-hmm. you know uh, maybe maybe there comes a point for people where they feel comfortable watching him again maybe there doesn't and that's entirely you know uh up, up, up to each you know individual and whether you think you know um He's not paid his penance, but as you know, has been has been punished, so there has been consequence for for his uh, his actions uh, those years ago. But at this point, you know, personally, you know, I will watch a moose, and I do think that yeah, he's doing a good job as like the the kind of the top guy, yeah. as like the champion. He's like you like we said about the pay per view review last week. He is in some ways cosplaying Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, you know, big spamming big guy kind of main eventer. But for impact, it seems to be working. Um, and I will say that, like, yeah, the you know, the the, the storyline stuff they did with him and okay, maybe put everything I just said in the bin because the big title match the building with him for sacrifice is against yeah. Heath Slater. <laughs> so maybe that's one one situation where maybe they're not making the best use of the talent they've got access to. But the segment itself was very good and they told a good story with, you know, you know, um, Keith kind of challenging Moose and you know saying he'd not done enough for uh, for Impact with like the the ROH invasion and stuff. Yeah, the great little segment with uh, with Moose backstage, kind of um, go, going back and forth with Scott Demore, where he he you know Scott Demore was taken for task for not seeming to care too much about the uh, the ROH invasion and yeah that that was all really good stuff and I think the. Eddie Edwards stuff, which was the cliffhanger coming out of the pay-per-view. I mean, if you can call it that, you know, Eddie Edwards turning on impacts, you know, isn't going to light everyone's world on fire. But, you know, as far as like, you know, he was, he was the company guy and, you know, he was the last mm-hmm. person you'd expect to turn on them. They did a re- he did a really good promo at the end of the show where he kind of cut into the, the, the company and explained why he turned. And it was like, 
you know, without being too on the nose about it, the basic gist of the promo was, well, you know, I didn't turn on you, you turned on me, you know, and listed all, you know, these ways you've been screwed over in the in the past uh, year or so by by management and made it very believable why you would jump to the other side in Jim Ring of Honor. And it's it's hardly ROH CCW, as we said mm. last week when we did the pay-per-view review, but, you know, it's been a nice, well-built story. It's still got juice in it and, you know, Eddie Edwards, yeah. you know, being on that side, being on the honor no more side, um, and he had a really good line in the in the in the, in the segment where he basically said, you know, yeah, Impact Wrestling, it's you that has honor no more type of thing. Like he was very good. He was very. It was nice to see him with a fresh coat of paint. I don't want to see yeah. Eddie Edwards cosplaying as Sandman anymore. I think he does need to kind of move back to his roots as a actual wrestler again. So hopefully we get some of that yeah. too. Um, it was it was really well done. You know, considering the parts we're playing with here and considering who we're talking about, like it definitely exceeded my expectations. It's like you mentioned earlier on the knock on effect of having these many sort of good wrestlers released by WWE is the way that it filters down. And if they're not going to AEW and they can't go to Japan and outside of a, the odd GCW booking, it's going to be going into impact and at least impact recognize they can make use of them. Cause you add in that X division as well. And Trey Miguel, who is someone who clearly they're high on as the future as their next kind of like X division guy to, to, to be up there in, in as like a main, a proper main event star. I'm not that surprised. I mean, they're up, they're up turn from a creative perspective. It's not always borne out in ratings has been one of more slow and steady progress. Yeah. And they, they still fuck up. They still use their parts in the ways perhaps they shouldn't be used, but they become more adept at just putting on good, solid wrestling. Mm. And it's like, there's still what they forgot. It's something that TNA has not always had or impact has certainly not, all, not always had, which is fundamentally put on a show that's going to entertain people. If you do that and you leave like that live audience is getting something from it, then that will translate over to your TV audience. And it just feels like they're doing that. And like you mentioned, I mean, that ring of honor storyline, ever since it's happened with, with honor no more, it appears to be done pretty well. And they, they've recognised, look, we can do this for a little while. We can get some juice out of this. There's Those Ring of Honor names aren't going to be it itself, are, aren't going to, I don't think, mean something in and of themselves. But it, they're working like in a game of fractions, aren't they, in terms yeah. of the potential audience they can pick up. And these things matter in terms of picking it up. You know, yeah. working a good Ring of Honor um, storyline could be the difference of getting 20,000 TV viewers let's just say for argument's sake I might be completely overestimating it that means a lot at the level that they do at, um, that they draw viewers on access TV yeah I, you know I think for me it's you know the probably uh, the fluctuation from segment to segment probably isn't going to be the big thing with impact but I think if the quality level continues yeah. to be of this and it, it's a consistent product I think more people will you know take the chance to eat to eat but obviously when you talk on these low numbers there can be those those swings um but yeah like i say i was impressed with the show you know we were impressed by the the the, the pay-per-view especially you and gareth mm-hmm. where and you know the bits i saw i did like too but yeah coming out of this tv show i did kind of think oh i'll probably tune in to sacrifice you know the, the they were also the other one other like big note from the show um and i i'd already seen the uh the promo itself on uh on twitter but uh great job of uh of, of 
suppose telling the story of the Jay White stuff um, and having him cut a promo on uh, Guerrillas of Destiny he was very good um, as he always is I think uh, from a promo point of view um, selling that and talking about how you know it was a business decision not personal and you know kicking them essentially kicking them out of Bullet Club and starting his own kind of you know rebuilding Bullet Club from the ground up type of thing is uh, seems to be what his MO is here it'd be interesting to see if you know Good Brothers and Chris Bay if we do see more Jay White on AWTV maybe follow them over there i'm sure they uh you know what the good brothers are like they'll uh steal themselves a especially that gallows steal themselves a living wherever they can so oh yeah probably will get them back in the door there but no that stuff was really good and it did a good job of as well selling you know jay mentioned his uh past with alex shelley and the fact that he lived with him in japan and he was a bit of a mentor at one point in his past you know maybe very in- i'm already interested in you know jay white versus alex shelley maybe very interested in that as a match at a sacrifice hopefully uh you know it's not one of those bookings that actually can't make because of his day job i really hope mm. that that does come to fruition because there's been too much one too many of them for me uh unfortunately where i've been let down by uh getting excited for an alex shelley match but that's particularly strong match to build too as well so yeah really enjoyed that and like i say you know decent decent enough matches on the show um with the macardo and jordan mm. grace match probably being the uh the highlight and yeah you can skip through do you really need to see bapinda versus john skyler you know diana parato and lady frost was was all right pretty pretty good little match you know jonah zicky dice was pretty straightforward as a match on no more against rich swan billy mack and chris sabin was a again was a match but taken as like a 90 minute tv show that you might be able to liberally skip a little bit here and there there was good stuff and signs of a bit of growth from impact so yeah might uh might well tune in again uh, next week in the uh, in this build to a uh, mm. sacrifice. Good stuff. Well, well, I can't just to, to to hijack it here for a company that is not displaying any real signs of competency and growth. It's going to be a bit of a rant here, so you have got your chance to run to the toilet if you need to. Better <laughs> here for it. Um, Tianoa, as I like to think of it. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you watched. I will never watch this match. Like, never. Like, it's not happening. Well, you can't get me. This is the odd. Okay. So, if you view this as a match and you don't know anything about it, there's actually a lot of stuff in this, which is quite good. Um, That's the oddest thing about this. It follows a format that you kind of expect it to do, which is you have some grappling inside. You'll go to a brawl at ringside uh, eventually. And there'll be some stiff as fuck exchanges. Just being Fujita I suppose it's a by the way. Fujita, uh, yes, sorry. Didn't mention this at all. Yeah, That's this how was angry you are. Noah <laughs> Gain Control. I am so angry. I'm not even going to tell you who was in it. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Two guys had a match and he, he made He will me not be named. He doesn't even get yeah. a name, Fujita. No. Oh, I mean, just a prick. That's like, if there's ever a man who just gives off, I'm a prick vibes, it is him. Um, uh, This match in and of itself, when it's doing the like shit kicking stuff, you think, oh, okay, this is kind of fine. If it led to your young champion, who's kind of hot and got a bit of a crowd connection um, and it's stuff you can do with if he's the one going over. But no, Um, it was... Like and there's a few times in there where he really lays it in, which makes you think: was he just genuinely livid about the result? Um, however, there's also the fact with Fujita that when he is violent, he's kind of fucking reckless. It's not like he's good either with this. He's just like a kind of a shit kicker, really. And maybe I'm doing him somewhat of a disservice for that. But there's no way he should be a champion. 
without going into the long and short of it, there's a mess in Noah where, like, like they say, they've made Fujita 51 years old, arsehole. They've given him a contract now. He was a freelancer before this. Yeah. Because that's smart booking. Always to put it on a freelancer. Nothing goes wrong in Japan doing that. <coughs> Brock Lesnar. Um, and weirdly, he wouldn't job to Lesnar, which is why Chono was putting a match. That's how he ended up with the fucking IWGP title. Anyway, like, you know, so Fujita's just an arsehole. You've got a booker who's basically lost control. And the people running the show are these group of 50-year-old guys who don't view it as their job to um, put over younger talent. Now, this happens all the time, not putting over younger talent. I think what makes this kind of worse is, A, it's not their first time. They've done this plenty of times. And it's always been like, well, trust the process. It's built into a story. And you're like, no, it isn't. Like, this is genuinely how you book. They believe the biggest stars in the company are Keiji Muto, 58, can barely walk. Vegeta, a 51. Masato Tanaka is in the next main event. I like Masato Tanaka. He's a crazy bastard. However, like he's 48. No, sorry, 49. So there's a combined age of 100 there. Like it, it's just a fucking mess what it is. And like there's a lot of people there where I'm not saying you're expecting an exodus per se, but why would you re- re-up with them? When you get a chance, if you're Nakajima and you've kind of existed as a freelance for lots of your career, why would you care? Like, why would you stay around? And it's the fact that there's a real potential out there for a puro promotion to take on New Japan. And they have production values and they have budget. But the booking is, is fucking bad. It's TNA levels. It really is. It's guys who are big in other promotions, they're the guys who are going on top. All the while doing, having all of your Noah guys go, I am Noah, I am Noah, except Noah always ultimately loses here. And it's like, and it was one of the things I remember WH Park telling me a couple of years ago, proper mark for the older guys. And you can see it. You can see it all the time. It's just a wave of these, the likes of a Kendo cash-in, stealing a living, refusing to put over people. So there's an incredible amount of unprofessionalism going on. And for anyone who's like, you know, I used to love the great Muta, but you hear these stories, and it's kind of stuff that turns you against it. So as a match, I went three stars, but for a large proportion of it, it's actually quite good, just with completely the wrong result. So Noah's going to have to work hard to gain my interest because if it's Fujita versus old blokes, the Masata Tanaka match, I'm probably not going to bother watching because I'm just like, why? I don't need to be invested in this because I kind of know what's going to happen. And it's people I'm not interested with who are over the hill, clearly over the hill. He just, Fujita just reminds me of my dad's mates who worked on building sites and they just could not wear a top while they were doing it. Always with the top <laughs> off. Big lads, big hard drinking fuckers. And honestly, so like, it's ridiculous. Like that's who I'm kind of reminded by with this. So yeah, Noah, that's my rant about it. And I almost feel that's the amount of time it deserves because it's had a lot of fair amount of discourse already. And I've ranted about it enough times, but what a shit show. Gotta say, yeah, it's a third time I've heard it, but it's, it's still entertaining. And I'll, you probably have to do it a fourth time next week when Garrett's back. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps saying Just in it. response to his. Um, <laughs> but just to finish the bouncing around, because I know we're, we're running short of time. We've gone long as it is, longer than we thought we would be doing. A promotion that isn't doing that is stardom. Hey. And when I was on with Alan, uh, doing the um, kind of uh, 10 people to watch, we had a list of 10 people to watch in 2022. One of my had down was Starlight Kid and a match that got a lot of press this week was the match against Azumi, who I know when you look at sometimes on the weekend show rundown, you see, do I say AZM? What, what do I do here? And it's just oh, like, no, Azumi. And it's, um, it was... <laughs> It, Starlight Kid, yeah. Maybe if you're struggling with that, I don't know if you can read, really. That's more, more of a worrying point. Um, this was for the high-speed title, which is kind of what it says on the tin. Think of it as like a kind of, a, probably criminal to say, think of it like an X-Division title. Um, they're both 20. They're both ridiculously young. You might well have seen the, like, 40-second exchange near the beginning with lots of counters and arm drag counters and all this. And it can look, and I can get why it can look somewhat performative, but it's kind of incredible when you're watching it and then they square up to each other straight away. And this is partly because they would have trained together. I mean, Azumi has been wrestling since I think she was 11. Now, again, we're getting into child labor law territory with this stuff, but it's still, like it, it's incredible to think at that age, just like the kind of natural motion you'd have that. And then it would go into kind of stri- strike exchanges, then go into quick fire exchanges as well. I mean, the match itself is about 20 minutes. I went 4.25. I mean, the average has gone down on the app. I mean, it was around 4.4. I think it's down around 4.25, but it's one of these things where just think of the age, think of how old they are. And the fact that they're not the big stars Starlight kid feels like is going to be in that next echelon of stars. Like beforehand, it felt to me like kind of generic homegrown masked baby face who was kind of teaming with my Iwatani, you know, but you would kind of nondescript. Basically, she joined the goth group, Wado Tai, and she's become like really charismatic. She's not the leader because you know, the factions in Stardom, listen to the show I did with Karen Peterson, the factions in Stardom are a lot more complex than, than kind of give it, give it credit for, but um, a really good match from a place that just trains and raises prodigies. It's business has grown in the last year between that and Dragon Gate as being like kind of two companies that have grown. Guess what? They're the two companies that are pushing homegrown talent that they build. And someone like Masato Yoshino wouldn't have an issue about putting someone over because he sees the greater good. He's also a fucking adult rather than like a man baby playing MMA fighter. Um, and and I think with this, like this is kind of like it, you realise with stardom, once you kind of get into it, you go, my God, the roster is full of people like this. Like, and they're not like, even the ones who are at like, the weaker end, they're not that weak and they serve their purpose on, on the card. But yeah, watching this, like one thing it had in this match that I thought was really good is there was a tree of woe spot where basically Zumi was working Starlight Kid into it. And you never see that. You just see people basically lie there. They don't try and reach up. But every time she reached up, Azumi's like pulling her down while she's trying to climb on top so she can do a stomp onto her. And he like grabs her arms and does a stomp. And it's like, you just think to yourself, it's 
those kind of things. And they're 20 and they get this stuff. And there are vets out there who claim to know it all who never get that. Like simple, simple things like that. They, they would still make it look like, now you do a move. I'll just wait here while you do a move on me. And there was none of that stuff in this match. So like, I haven't seen anything else on the card, um, but like really recommend that. And like I said in the pre-show, I'm hoping um, myself and Karen do another show after Kyrie's debut oh, at the two big shows in the March. The feedback for that show has been phenomenal. And I know there's a lot mm. of people still just catching up with it now. Um, oh, so so Grapple got tagged in one today and it was like, it was, it was somebody saying something like, oh, I've been waiting for a while to listen to you two talk about this subject. And I was like, oh, this must be about me and Alan doing the ROH show. And it was a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> and my ego took a real hit there. No, I was made up. It's it's been dead good to see like the uh, mm. the, the the positive feedback and obviously at yeah, this uh, people who maybe hadn't heard Karen before or heard you opine, you know, so in long form uh, about stardom and yeah, it does feel like it's the you know while it's uh, not, not hugely to my taste, it's one of the promotions that actually makes it worthwhile following Pura right now because you know yeah. you look at the big hitters, you look at New Japan, you look at Noah, you look at all Japan. There's not much to be excited about. Or stay. Um, yeah, you kind of rely on Stardom, aren't you, to carry the load? Maybe, maybe a bit yeah. of um, Big Japan, maybe a little bit of Dragon Gate. You know, that's <laughs> even DDT. DDT, sorry, I meant to say. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of uh, how the, the land lies right now. So, yeah, I look forward to you two uh, getting back together there. But if I can cheer you up, mate, uh, on the Japan stuff, just to just to let you know, just uh, some breaking news here um, uh, from the uh, the desk of one Court Bauer. Uh, press release here, mate. I don't think you've, uh, you've that, he, that he puts these things out. Um, Not like Micro it. Man has uh, signed a multi-year contract with MLW. <laughs> that, uh, Those old thirteen-monthers. <laughs> is that a multi? Is that multi-year? Because it goes into the thirteenth month. Technically, more than one. <laughs> You can imagine it. I've got no evidence to back up that stuff. There is literally no detail in this thing as to how long it is or what. Multi-year contract says, uh, not since the days of Andre the Giant has there been someone so special that they bring pure wonderment and joy like you experience when Microman competes, said MLW CEO Court Bauer. So there you go. Inch for inch, Microman just may be the greatest wrestler in the world has ever seen. <laughs> That's another well, Court Bauer quote. He's the greatest wrestler is high. I don't think there's anyone who can live with him. I don't have anyone. Well, like I say, him and him and your man from CMLL, wherever he is, the one who dressed in that bear costume. Like I think they'd be the one. I forget the name. I know again, Alan's got a picture of him up on the wall or something along those lines. They've got some got merchandise to do with him. That mm. apparently was dirt cheap. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there you go, some good news for you, JP. Just thought of the actually, yeah, good, you know, and uh, give you give you some of that. But yeah, yeah cheered me up. Well, we're uh, we're hammering through just a few of the odds and ends that we uh, we mm-hmm. have been watching. Yeah, I did watch some catch some uh, some GCW this evening before we hit record. I know you got a little bit of a uh, US indie wrestling to uh, to mention as uh, as well mm-hmm. before we go. Um, but yeah, GCW's uh, welcome to Heartbreak show that we uh, we previewed on the uh, on the weekend show. It, it kind of like caught me. I was like, oh. You know, I don't, don't always tune into all of these uh, GCW shows on these uh, these weekenders, but I'll uh, I'll maybe be a little bit selective with this one. And I, I jumped in for a, a few of the matches on this show, and overall, um, very much uh, kind of uh, enjoyed um, what what GCW um, did here on this show. It was, uh, you know, it's one of them the meme shows, aren't they? You know, GCW's 
like I don't know, the card is always going to be better than the end result. Like I can't help but go. <laughs> I'll go into the grapple app before I watch these things, thinking I'm going to get recommendations. And if there's a match that isn't an average of three point three seven stars on this show, I'm struggling to find it because they were all pretty much within that range. I don't know that's a uh, you know a combination of people overrating it and then a combination of people going, no, it's at utter shite, mate, and, and underrating it. But yeah, you know, there's all kind of much of a much push when you go through these ratings. So if you're trying to cherry pick a cheesy show, it actually can be quite hard, but. What I enjoyed uh, from the uh, the bits that I assembled on the show, Mike, Mike Bailey and uh, and Ninja Mac um, had, a, had a really fun little match. I mean, just on paper, that's a fun match, isn't it? You know, Ninja Mac's, you know, well, uh, bit of a weird Twitter follow. You know, you know followed us all at one point, DM'd us all, and then unfollowed us all again. Kind of Noah. Yeah, it's a bit weird. You going to Noah exactly? Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe he'll, uh, you know, add to the uh, the flips and cartwheels some. Uh, uh, so maybe a little bit. Uh, bit Him versus Vegeta, mate. That'll be an experience. <laughs> Maybe that's the uh, the role he'll fill, but no, he had a, he had a bit of a laugh of a match, really, just like lots of like mirror image type mm-hmm. spots in the opening bits, and they ended up climbing up a ladder to like the side of the building and having like a kick fest, like on you were like at a like pe- bit like Tommy Dreamer Brian Lee, like in like the you know the crow's nest type of thing, but it was like they had a tiny bit of ledge to stand on while they were doing it, um, and, and going back and forth. You know, the yeah. Ukrainian cultural center. This, oh isn't yeah, it as well. yeah. Which yeah, it was what a place to uh, to run a wrestling show from. Uh, yeah, did they um, make any reference at all? Not that I heard. You, not that I Ukraine heard. Ukraine flags should have had a load of Ukraine flags up around the place. Well, they had them at Goodison, mate, didn't they? So well, yeah, well whether I missed it or not, um, yeah, I don't know. But that was a uh, yeah, a little bit odd. Um, but yeah. They, they did a big spot with uh, with Ninja back uh, going through uh, through a table, um, and yeah, it was a, a a fun little kind of you know highlight match that you'd uh, that you'd expect. But yeah, thought that was good. Um, Doctor Wagner Junior and Homicide had like a hilarious kind of match. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was really weird. Like Wagner, be I think he was supposed to be a heel. Like he did the thing at the start of the match where he pretended to throw his mask to the crowd and then didn't and got a lot of heat for it um he was working very like like a lucha live show kind of vibe where he was you know putting his hands mm. to his ear a lot and doing a lot to kind of get the crowd going without really doing too much but once they got going you know a couple of veterans uh you know exchanging big spots it was uh it was fun but it ended with dr wagner getting on the mic and entirely in Spanish cutting a promo that nobody could understand that went on for about 15 minutes. Apparently he was calling out, he apparently was calling Psycho Clown a liar. Like, I don't know why he was calling it Psycho Clown, but the crowd were getting proper fed up because it was just like, we don't know what he's saying. Why is he still going? Why is he still talking? And then it felt like, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was, just this GCW fan in a GCW t-shirt got in the ring because he was the one guy who could speak a bit of Spanish and a bit of English and did some translation for Wagner for him. Like, it was so fucking weird. Like, in fact, there was a point where Wagner was, like, um, <laughs> going to, like, the GCW ring announcer, like, like trying to, like, say, like, you know, can, can you explain this? And Emil was looking up at him, like, no, like... Mate... 
don't know what's going on. Talk, they don't talk Spanish. It was a mess of a segment, but kind of enjoyable in a way. It was like you know the worst elements of messy, unorganized lucha meeting the world of messy, unorganized DCW. So I got a a perverse kick out of that. And the other thing I saw was uh, X Pac and uh, and Joey Janela against the uh, the major players, Matt Cardona and uh, and Brian Myers. X Pac was super over as you kind of expect them to be and you know you you, you want to go oh you know he looked amazing he didn't look at the, you know a, a day i mean he, obviously he's getting on a bit now finally considering he was in like his early 30s when he was in tna the first time like you know he's uh <laughs> he's he's younger than you think he is uh sean waltman he can he can still go but you know it he is like an aging wrestler who's kind of relying on pops and doing his best to keep up with like Janela and some of the, the wackiest spots that he kind of brought to the match. But in a way, Cardona and Myers were probably good foils for him as like just pure heels, you know, on, on a, on a yeah. GCW show. And all he really needs to do was, uh, was sell when it was proper. Um, and, it, and it, you know, to his credit, he's an X factor off the top rope, uh, through a door. I think it was, um, on Cardona, you know, for the, uh, for the big finish, so he was uh, he was willing to do that, and then they did a bit of an angle after the match, which I'm sure people have heard of, where, where uh, you know X Pac was uh, was putting over uh, GCW a, a little bit and talking about JCW a bit, and then um, Janela out of out of nowhere super super kicked him, turned on him, and then I don't have you seen any of the, those clips of uh, Janela where he's um, going for fans and stuff? Um, no. I don't know about that like he's you know if you're gonna. It's one of them, like, GCW have encouraged fans when something bad happens, especially when it involves Cardona, to launch garbage at the ring. So people, you know, so I watch these two shows and people people, people launch garbage at Janela and rather than take it on the chin, he started, like, I don't know whether he was working a bit, started going into the crowd and look for fights. But he was like literally, and this is Joey Janela, mm. like kicking fans in the head. Like he definitely made contact with a couple of fans. And then there was one bloke who looked like he was trying to brawl with in the crowd. And it was a bit like, then we've all got our wires a bit crossed here. Like, you know, Janela's trying to treat it like it's this big disrespect that somebody threw like a bottle of water at his face or something like that and going for fans. But it's like, well, I mean, that's kind of what the reaction they want. But then. You know, he probably said, "Well, I was working then, and even the fight was a work. I'm trying to, you know, get heat, and it made, the whole thing made for a bit of a spectacle. But it was just a bit confused in its messaging, really. Like, you know, do you want the fans to play along, or don't you? And then, how hard does that play along go when it, you know, you've got your wrestler in the crowd, literally trying to fist fight with them? Like, it's yeah, it built a bit of heat for the match, and you know, it's kind of like a nice way to get to a, another X Pack match and and you know, extend his uh little mini stay in uh in GCW. But yeah, a little bit bizarre to be honest, but a uh, bit odd, like they want a bit like they you know, they want it both ways, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know, there's a part of me thinks that it's like when he turned up to that thing with Drake Verts, didn't he? And he got on pretending to be like somebody who was kind of like anti-mask and all of this stuff. I mean, there's a touch of the kind of Andy Kaufman about him, really, where he kind of really likes that performative side of it. So, but if he is taking kind of general, I mean, they uh, they really, there's a line that they straddled now a few times, GCW with this, with this kind of fan involvement stuff. And it's not the way to go. If he's still under contract to AEW as well, does he want to be acting like that? 
I mean, I'll imagine it's coming to an end. That's just the impression I get is this him working his way back into the company. As, and I think he probably fancies the role as a kind of mega heel, frankly. Yeah, and I think cool. this is probably like the first, and that's what it feels he's, like it is, like when he becomes good, a regular. He is looking refreshed. He's in good shape. Like, you know, I think it's clear as AEW run is done and he's therefore, you know, going back to Maiden with spring break and GCW and stuff. But that's no bad thing here. He did look motivated. So, you know. Oh, he's creative as fuck. Remember that backyard show, which introduced us really to Alex Zane, mm-hmm. you know, like things and, and Tony Deppen and that wild match they had. Like he was the one where, and Brett Lauderdale knew how to kind of use it. I mean, in many ways, if he knew, knew how to use Nick Gage, like, Joey Janelli in, in that way in a different way he was kind of of that similar kind of mentality that'll be a match they do now I've just mentioned both of their names I mean I think the thing is with Janela being kind of he's never really been away but he's not been like the big featured part of the shows and like stuff that has the stakes in it but getting involved in the storyline perspective would be something that'd be really good because let's face it that's the level he should be on and he's fine there but like when it comes to primetime TV nah just doesn't it just doesn't work it's not him well uh, the way that some bands can't do are big arenas can they that's it that's exactly what he is in this world um, hi to don by the way who's just uh, joined us on the uh, on the Hello, live view mate we are uh, to uh, to type at 2 hours 55 minutes of uh, of this podcast no. so, uh, <laughs> you can join us for the last five as uh, jp you've been watching a, a little bit of indie wrestling unless me to me do the the ad read ala stone cold steve austin <laughs> oh there you the go you got that thing. <laughs> yeah but yeah, uh, yep. Yeah, sorry, you were going to ask me. Well, the one thing I was going to mention, I think it was just it was a match recommendation I got sent. I thought I'd have a watch of it because it was just kind of intriguing, and that was um, from Beyond Wrestling, and it was Biff Busick versus Slade at the Day ninety one event. I don't know if this fits into the Uncharted territory TV show. The other stuff they do Beyond has always kind of been like that element of consistency. Now I have to say. The American Indies, generally, I think there's a time where so much of it kind of passed me by because it's it's a smorgasbord and I, I, I sometimes don't have the tolerance to kind of sit through lots of stuff. I'm probably still haunted by that mania weekend, to be honest with you, where it was just like watching desperate wrestling go on in front of very few people. Um, and it was Biff Busick. And I was like, oh, okay, be intrigued. I don't know anything about Slade. And it was a no DQ match. It was the main event. It's like 12 minutes long fuck me is it does it get kind of like quite violent i didn't expect it but biff Busick blades quite early on um and then so does slade and it's horrible it's like all down his face and he's they're both bald so by the end it's like biff Busick's forearms are like covered in blood and he's taking all manner of bumps he's like going through a door there's one point where he smashes a door over Slade's head who kind of stands there and no sells it um lots of like kind of various um like kind of big bumps into the corner like using chairs and the like as well I kind of hadn't expected it because he just didn't think is Biff Busick's not the kind of stuff you'd imagine him doing on the indies so it was quite refreshing and he looked good and I know obviously you saw him at uh Tagley was it last year did yeah. you see him? Is that that's where you saw him? Was was year Tagley before, yeah. year before? And here, like he looked like he was good. He was motivated. It was like a really fun match. Like, and I know um, it's it's rated quite well on the app. I go four stars. I'm not a kind of fan of this type of match, but it was just like 
more of a brawl with weapons than a stunt fest when it comes to no DQ matches. And I think that's quite important. And Slade as well, who just comes across as an absolute loon. I thought he did a cracking job here. And he was in front of like a sort of good atmosphere with like a, you know, crowd of about sort of 200 or so. And so it was, it was just like a lot of fun and it was just sort of like surprisingly violent. But I thought there's a part of me wants to dip in and out of the Indies a bit more just to sort of pick up the odd match there. Cause people are like, like Matt Mikowski and, 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 and obviously, you know, we will get lots of tips, particularly from um, Sarah Farrell as well. Um, it, it's just, it's something I never quite get around to. So I thought, well, I'll watch this match. It's 12 minutes of my time. It's got some good ratings on the app. And yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. Um, yeah, really good fun. Yeah, I saw Randy Ogden put a, a good rating in for that this mm. week. And yeah, you know, obviously it'll be on. We're uh, complimentary of that. So there you go. That's what the app's for. So good that, uh, yeah, that uh, positive exactly. feedback is, uh, is there. But yeah, that uh, pretty much uh, brings us to the end of uh, what we've been watching this week. Bit of uh, a mammoth segment there, JP. There you go. God, we can't blame Gareth for when we go three hours because <laughs> when it's just me and you, we still go three hours. There was a lot of stuff <laughs> that we had to cover. There was stuff we didn't need to talk about, frankly, but we managed to work it in anyway. So. <laughs> it's what we do. It's what we do. Yeah. So there you go. One day we'll get the two-hour format, uh, format down. But yeah, that'll... Uh, Nicely, uh, bring us to the end of the show, as I mentioned. Uh, this week, uh, on our Patreon side, we, uh, Gareth will be uh, joining us for the uh, Nitro Month 1 show, where we look at the uh, the first uh, four episodes of Nitro. If you want to do your homework for that one, folks, it's not as daunting as it sounds. Four 45-minute episodes that are a very, very easy watch, at least uh, so far, for the ones yeah. uh, I've seen. So, yeah, do uh, do check that out. Other than that, like I say, we'll be doing a weekend show free-for-all um, this week. Should be uh, Thursday at uh, at 9pm. Um, but obviously, uh, patrons will have uh, a special link for that for pre- and post-show. So, yeah, look forward to that too. Yeah, daily updates. Leeds is coming up uh, WrestleMania Sunday. Get your tickets. That about it, Japing? Yeah, that's about it. Patreon.com forward slash grapple. Um, grapple grapple.bigcartel.com as well to get those swanky grapple t-shirts uh white and black yin and yang which is probably you know how how we are as well and yeah um grappleapp.com forward slash support to buy tickets and much better than the absolute shite t-shirts we talked about in the uh, in the pre-show tonight. Oh, so my God. Them. But, yeah, patrons uh, watching live, stay tuned for the other uh, post-show where JP will do a, a live ad read for uh, <laughs> for your entertainment. But uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. We will catch you again on the weekend show Thursday on YouTube. Bye. See you all.